You're listening to Longkang Kitties. And we're live. Oh my god. Like, uh, <laughs> hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Longkang Kitties. As you can tell, <gasps> this is not John Wang. John Wang is missing today because he's not feeling very well. We are doing the first episode in the entire Longkang history. Indeed, indeed. Without John. Without John. And we are a little bit nervous now, so please forgive us because you know John yeah. handles all the technical stuff, right? Yeah. So we try not to F up, you know? And because he's gone, so now I'm the most handsome non-whatever person on this podcast. So, all right. Today, right, uh, we've got this very, very important guest with us. <laughs> very, very amazing guest with us, Dr. Chi. Welcome back to the Longkang. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be Hooray. back. It's been a while since you've been here, right? Yes, it has. A well, different studio, but... Do you remember what we asked you in our last episode? <laughs> <laughs> I remember what I had for lunch yesterday, so... You know. It's been, I think, two or three years since the interview, right? Or yes. Maybe, yes, is it four? Yes. You've no, no. It's like before COVID, I think. Before 2019. 2019. Yeah, How many years yeah. is that? Four years. Four years. Oh my Shit. God. Yeah, just before the election. Time so. flies when you're having fun or not. <laughs> Are you having fun now? You just started, uh, not really just love, but you started two fun. restaurants, right? Yeah. Mm. Called, called yes. Orange and Teal. Yes. How has that been for you? Um, tremendously hectic. It has its moments now, but, mm. uh, you know, F&B, it's really, really um, busy and you know, as I said, near 101 things all going off at the same time. So you've got to try to manage them and handle it the best you can. Mm -hmm. How did the idea of opening a, an FMB outlet come to you? Or how would, why do you decide to do it? Uh, actually, it started way before um, these couple of years. Um, and it started when SDP, we got together as a party and we thought, you know, wouldn't it be good if we had a place where people could just come together and, and not having to look over their shoulders whenever mm. they talk about social issues, current mm. affairs, that mm. kind of thing. So it's more a place where we wanted to have people to congregate, you know, and feel at home and just to have that cuppa and then, you know, and some good food. Then it feels less threatening, isn't it? Then when we ask people to come to the, the party office and then, you know, you look at me, I look at you and everybody's very nervous and that kind of thing. <laughs> but, you know, over food, over coffee, sometimes people tend to, tend to relax and then you get in a nice conversation about mm. different stuff. So that was the whole motivation behind it. And then we talked and talked. And, and, you know, the more you talk, the more you talk, right? And until after a little while, I just thought, hey, yes, let's get done. So I just decided to do it myself first and see what happens from there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, have you built the community? Because I know you do quite a lot of events at your Orange mm -hmm. and Teal restaurants, right? Yeah. Like you have exhibitions and then you've got like panel talks and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's the other motivation behind it. You have a space of our own. And then you go to any kind of a established hotel, just rent a function room, cost you an arm. It's and very expensive. Very <laughs> expensive. And then the, you've got to have tea but with it and then your snacks and then by the time you add up the amounts it's prohibitive plus like, they can just mm -hmm. take away the venue at the very last minute right yeah yeah <laughs> and that happened to, to yeah us. it happens mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah, yeah it happened to us because we were a political party and people got cold feet and didn't want to rent it to us so i said you know what the heck let's have a place of our own and so you know we get young artists who are just looking for a place to you know, exhibit and sell the paintings and they don't have to pay them. You know, I say, you just bring your paintings here. Mm. Yeah, I'm not charging you. Just people can come in. I'll have announce it and people can just come in, have their coffee and then they want to buy your 
your paintings straight off from you guys now we had poetry reading as well i recently invited a string quartet to come in and then we had some nice nice, okay, nice. Like, given the nature that so we, artsy it, it, it's, it was it was a the most resplendent afternoon i can People imagine have tea and then the, the four of them were going off with the violins and cello and you know it was nice, really nice. nice it was really nice we're hoping to have more of that mm -hmm. Um, and then we also had some political forums where we talked about different issues like cost of living, you know, uh, education, censorship in Singapore, that kinds of things. So mm. I, I, it's one of the things I really I wanted to do was also promote the arts and culture as well as um, a place where we can mm. have some discussions, some serious discussions. So it's shaping up. So do you have a good turnout when it's, uh, you know, when you have your political forums? Because usually I would say that political forums uh, take place in a closed space, right? Yeah. Whereas your restaurant is a very open area where everybody can just look and see. Is there still like any residual fear, you think? No, or I, I think people are, are a lot more motivated, especially with, with um, uh, social media. And it depends on the topic to them. We had the, the discussion on cost of living was standing room only. Wow. Yeah, people just mm. wanted to listen. And then especially it, was, it wasn't one of us speaking. Um, we had people, who, you know, workers, mm. people mm. who were going mm. through the, the, the mm. rigors of everyday life, trying to make that, that extra buck for them, for, for, for their family. And that attracted quite a nice crowd in there. Dr. Chi, if I may interject, can I tell you the tale of my, my friend? So I have this friend, uh, MJ. <laughs> So he's um, unfortunately a, a naysayer of yours. Uh, in fact, he doesn't hold uh, the opposition generally in any high regard, right? Uh, but of course, neither is he a, a, a supporter of the incumbent, right? So um, <clears throat> he, he has always been very open about his views. But one day he told me, uh, this Dr. Chi, uh, well, he finally opened a restaurant. Now I see him up a little bit more. So he's, he's strangely has a little bit more respect for you yeah. and uh, a little bit more perhaps open to listen to your views and the views of the SDP. Simply because you opened a restaurant, right? Um, of course, you have experienced success in many areas, especially in the academic um, uh, uh, realm. Mm. But it takes you to open a restaurant to garner respect from him. Why, why do you think this is so? I don't know. Since getting into the, the um, industry itself, I just found this newfound respect for F&B operators and... and it's it's understandable. I mean, you're working under huge, huge, numerous constraints, um, and then you have to deliver, mm. and it's unrelenting because when you open, people don't care, right? I don't mm. know what problems you have in the kitchen, mm -hmm. in, in in the administrative mm. um, sections of your business, but when I come here, I pay for the food. I expect to be served, you know, and people want to have a good time, and rightly so. That that's mm. part of the cause. Mm. But you can well imagine because you know the place that we're at. Sometimes landlords don't allow you to close, mm. so you've got to open seven days a week, mm. and that pressure is there. Once mm. you have your opening hours, people walk in; they expect to be served. Now. Mm -hmm. So the pressure is there. Right. You know what I mean? And and that's um, a real challenge. Now. But as I said, it has its moments, mm -hmm. and uh, I can understand. You know, being an academic or in. You know, my previous life when I was uh, just I was doing my writing. Uh, so in, in a capitalistic society, right, 
you know, the interest of the business owner is usually pit against the interest of the worker, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, you want your workers to maximize their work, sure. but then and you want to maximize your profit. So, uh, and, and pre previously, right, when you're in the SDP, you were always championing the rights of workers. Mm -hmm. So has like being a business owner changed your views or changed things for you? No, in fact, I think it's reinforced it in that mm. sense that, you know, we always see it as like it's diametric opposite between staff and management, mm. owner and, and um, worker, that mm. kind of thing. But I, I just found that while it has its, its difficulties, I'm sure, but, you know, you've got to apply a very different mindset, different paradigm when we begin to see that you almost got to work as a concerted whole before anything can succeed. If you're always pitting one against the other, uh, then you're going to, to end up with a lot of grief, you see. But my own philosophy is that if you don't take care of your employees, who are your greatest asset, you know, uh, you, you're not going to, as a business owner, you're not going to just enjoy the fruits of your labor. And I'm just talking about the financial side of things, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also this other <clears throat> aspect, isn't it? Of just really enjoying what you do rather than just out there to make, squeeze that last dollar out from all your employees and all your customers and so on and so forth. So for me, as I said, um, it, it's really looking at it, taking a more holistic approach, whereby you want your staff to feel that they have a sense of belonging, to feel that number two, that they want, they have just pathway of, of moving up. Right? Who wants to be stuck in, in a little cubby hole with, in front of the oven the whole time? But you want them to learn skills. You want them to, to progress in life, just like any one of us here. Right. Trying. Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of, if, if you take that on board and you try to encourage them, I think there's still a chance that it might work. Okay. Well, do you, do you think that there's a challenge in motivating people nowadays? Because like, I think uh, after the pandemic, during the pandemic, there was this whole like tangping kind of thing uh, happening in China. And then there's this like quiet quitting, working your wage kind of movement happening yeah. amongst predominantly the younger generation where they think like, no, F this shit. I'm, I'm working so hard. I'm earning so little money. I can't even afford to buy a house. Why do I need to work extra for, for the business owner who is reaping all the profits? Because, you know, during the pandemic, the top 1% was earning like a crazy amount of money where, when the rest of us were suffering, right? Yeah. So like, how, how do we reconcile that? And how do we motivate people to work? I, I mean, you know, the one thing that I think a mistake that we all sometimes make is think that the only thing the only thing that motivates people, right, is to work harder, is financial reward. That's, I think, sometimes having talked to many of the people that come through, you know, uh, um, Orange and Teal, um, is that they don't just look for money. Th that's important too. You make sure that you, they want you, that they're compensated financially, remunerated well. But the same thing, they want to look for something more. As I said, um, sometimes appreciation of being recognized, the work that they do, mm. um, taking pride, you know, as I said, in anything you do, right? Whether it be it you build your computers or, or you're dealing with financial instruments and mm. so on. Even in F&B, mm. when you put something out, you want to feel that, that that's part of you that's going out, that you're serving Right. And it's that passion, that pride, 
there's sometimes that I think is just as powerful in its motivation as financial rewards. So, um, you know, a lot of times I, I feel also very um, disappointed when people just say, how much are you paying me? Right. Mm -hmm. um, the guy the next door that pays you $100 more, $200 more, I'm moving. Mm -hmm. But you don't take into um, the rest of the considerations, you know, in terms of where, where are you at? Who am I working for? Mm. What am I working for? Those are the things that hopefully, you know, as, as more enlightened um, business owners, take all this into our, take all this on board. Maybe it might help in the situation going forward. I don't know. I'm just experimenting this myself, but I honestly believe that's an alternative model. And just mm. rather than just cracking, cracking the whip and mm. putting everybody's uh, uh, nose to the grindstone and say, um, just deliver and, and, um, get me my money, that kind of thinking must change. But do you think that it's in a way also important to that, that our wages increase? Because prior to the pandemic, my, my friend bought her, uh, bought her HDB for like 400K. Mm -hmm. And like three years later, it's now oh about 650K. So like, you know, the prices have gone up so much. Yes. And our, our wages have not, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So it's getting really increasingly hard to live in this yeah. country. Tell me about it. Because at every time the government raises fees mm -hmm. and the latest one, you know, is the GST mm -hmm. and it's GST going to raise another 1% next yep. year. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just that 1%, it's a multiplier effect, yep. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I, I'm just, I just mm -hmm. take into this uh, situation. We have talked about it for a long time, many years in, in, in um, the political realm. But now, you know, having been involved in, in um, business itself, I, I see, you know, when, when, when prices go up, mm -hmm. you know, all your suppliers uh, have to increase their fees. Things simple like that, we don't normally don't think, mm -hmm. take in consideration mm -hmm. much. Eggs, right? Simple in, uh, um, item. Mm -hmm. But your eggs, don't forget, goes in your, your, your cake. Mm, so your yeah, cake yeah, goes up. Yeah. It goes in your pasta to make your, you, you know. So everything then goes up, yeah. right? And then when uh, you think about it, the most important ingredient in all this increases is land cost, mm, right? Mm -hmm. You know land, uh, rent, mm. right? But rent is not just, for example, my outlet, just paying the rent and then you have to sort of make good, right? So mm. the price that, that you come in to pay for your food has to go up. Mm. But then you think about it, the people that supply you, they have to have, they have to rent their mm. premises, they want to storage, the warehouse and everything. When their rent goes up, um, it, 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 you know, they have to pass on the cost as well. And so everything then gets multiplied. But then to answer your question is that when everything goes up, what about your wages? And this is <laughs> where- It goes the, down. <laughs> No, and it's not keeping up with, with the times, you see. And this is where I worry. And that's why we've been, been fighting, you know, for a long time, this cost of living. And then you have this government putting away um, reserves, financial reserves, mm -hmm. at some estimate from experts, mm -hmm. uh, in excess of a trillion dollars. Where is all this money that can be used to circulate and, and to benefit the people? It's all squirreled away. It, they always talk about like the the younger generation and like saving it for like a rainy day, but like there won't be a younger generation where we're all like fucking dead, you know. This is, this is, is <laughs> no, but this is. I mean, I, you hit the nail like no on one the wants head. to give birth and have kids because everything's so expensive, and and then there won't be a new generation unless mm. we import more immigrants into Singapore. Um, and 
go back going back to the rental like recently there's been like a lot of news about expats moving out of singapore because the rental has been increasing mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. such a crazy mm-hmm. rate like at sometimes you know at a hundred percent increase so, so for some context right um i i teach in an institution and there are a number of foreign students there so uh Prior to the pandemic, uh, uh, like a young Indonesian student would pay about six to seven hundred dollars for uh, a, a small room in a, a shared apartment. Now, two zero two three is risen to one point one k per student. So the landlord charges seven students to live in a five room HDB flat. So that's seven point seven k to the landlord every month. Yeah. That is so insane. But yeah. I think like the add-on impact of it is also like the fact that you know our government has always told us like how we need to be competitive in a global economy uh, this and that and but how do we how are we competitive when everything's so expensive and like you know according to today online uh seven in ten firms are ready to move expat staff overseas because of rental you know and the the, the government being the biggest landlord in singapore whether it's jtc hdb you got maple tree capital and sabana you know biggest landlord they're laughing all the way to the bank right and, and this is where i'm saying see we scramble every day just to make good to pay off whatever we owe at the end of the month right and you make as much as you can as quickly as you can then the question comes in right what time how much time do you have left to to hone that skill to really become good at what you're doing when all the time just thinking how much can i i sell how many hours can i put in just to be able to pay off all the overheads rent included of course now so that's where the problem comes in you see then we begin we keep finding ourselves you know kind of chasing that that the tail and then going in circles and not really getting anywhere isn't it so that's where I, I, I worry about in terms mm. of our future, like when mm. people are actually beginning to, I'm talking <clears throat> in other countries, really beginning to see how they can have value added. And that means being innovative, right? being creative. You look at Korea right now. I remember it was just not too long ago, you know, when I was in, in uh, younger years, you know, Korea was in, engulfed in the throes of, of revolution and, and, and university students who are protesting mm. all the time. In the 80s, right? Yeah. Yes. You remember that, right? Yeah. <laughs> old enough. Yeah, He's old enough. Like, oh, I enough. was just very born. <laughs> but this is where we talk about, and, and mm. you know, I've talked about it um, during my rallies as well. That's where the government came in and under President Kim Dae-jung then decided mm. to say, hey, look, enough is enough. We've got to open up society. Mm. And that's when everything then started taking root. And now you don't, everything starts with a K, you know, it's very popular, and then I don't know, you know, K-pop, K-food and everything. So, hmm. so you're saying there's a strong, <clears throat> there's a link la, between um, society's uh, innovation, creativity, quality of life, uh, the pride in their work, pride in their craft can be linked somewhat directly to uh, cost of land. I, I think that there is a factor. Everything right, is right. interplay. Like, it's just not right. one affecting the other. Mm. Uh, um, the other one is also the culture that we're in right now. If everybody is keeping their head bowed and, and you know, not wanting to engage in more sensitive issues, so to speak. Intellectually, we cannot grow in that sense, you see. That's why I say your J.K. Rowling's, like, your, 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 your Steve Jobs, like, they don't come from North Korea. You know, if if rule is you know hard-handed, iron-fisted rule is all we uh, it needs to make society mm-hmm. succeed, then you get all these entrepreneurs. I think coming up from more uh, societies that 
are just very hamfisted in their rules, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like um, the thing about entrepreneurship is that like a lot of my friends who try, you know, um, or, or who want to be like, are often put off by the extremely high mm-hmm. cost to just even start a business here, like you know, rental. And I, I think the other thing is that like the power is very heavily in the landlord's favor mm-hmm. in in Singapore. Like I've got a friend, I, I have a few friends who rented in malls. I think one of them was oh. in Millennia Walk, uh, like in other like malls around Singapore, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. um, the landlords can just do whatever they want, you know, despite the contract that you've signed. You know, they can just move you up from move you from like the first floor to the third floor, and then like you, you have to pay all the costs of renovation, and they can just jack up the prices or whatever, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. and I think like in other countries where there are rent controls, you don't really see this issue so much. And and you know, I think a lot of landlords also take like a percentage of what you earn. Some landlords they do that. They have because they a percentage of GTO. So whatever you sell, they take a, a percentage of it, and then you've got to hook up your your cash register, your machine that they call POS, your point of sales system, to their system. So they know exactly how much you sell. You just Ooh. can't run. <laughs> I think there was a, like for F and B businesses, like they were doing like a lot of grab actually, yeah. so that they could bypass that system, right? I yes. think. But then the landlords found out, and you're like, no way, you have to like link it all yeah. to here. Yeah. I'll just ask a question from the live chat uh, from Lydia. Uh, is Orange and Teal a social experiment on what a business or a restaurant can be? Uh, I, that, that's what I, I continue to hope mm-hmm. it will be, despite all the pressures, all the restrictions. Um, it's been uh, challenging now. But can I can just congratulate you on uh, surviving COVID? <laughs> oh my gosh! You, you, like I wouldn't yeah. believe. I started it just before I started. Then they said no um, dining in, so we had to hold up our opening. We opened up for three weeks, and then they said no dining in again. So <laughs> then we had to close off. You know, uh, we certainly you know uh, um, caught off guard in that sense. But it, we just kind of thought that it was towards the tail end already, so maybe it might be a good time to, to get it started mm. again. Mm. But coming back to this, this question, um, it being a social experiment, I, I'm, I still would like it to be um, a different model, different business paradigm where we can take care of our staff, our employees, pay them decent wages that they don't have to slog for a lifetime and, and not have anything to look forward to, to in the future. At the same time, then, you know, just be successful as business. I, I, I it's just viable as a business. Now. Mm-hmm. Look, I've never been a businessman, and in a way, it's still I don't still don't consider myself as a businessman. But you know, I didn't get into this just for pure profit. Now. Um, it was it's just one of those things that as long as we can keep ourselves afloat, you know, financially viable, not in the red and just just bleeding money. Um, you know, we just wanted it to have people come to this place and say, hey, wow, you know, that's something else we, 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 we can do and we need to do. But that can only happen if people continue to, to come and patronize and then make it successful. It's not going to be there and say, hey, you, you know, it's just there, so it'll just it'll be a mm-hmm. success on mm-hmm. it all on its own. We need to cultivate it. And that's why I'm reaching out to the Singaporeans. I've been doing that all this, all this while. Them to come. There's, there's a purpose to it. You need to go out and eat anyway. You need you. You're going out to to have a cup of coffee anyway. 
Why not Might think as of well. doing this? Yeah, yeah. just yeah. something that we can uh, do as, as a social experiment too. So, so another question, which right, right, links right. actually very well to your answer, is that, uh, is that could it be that for you, you can afford to experiment because you have a lot of support from ordinary Singaporeans who l want to support the political work that you do, but then, um, you know, will normal business owners find it hard to develop alternative business models? That, that is true in that sense. But, you know, I, it, it's taken me a long time and I'm talking about close to three decades mm -hmm. to build up this kind of, of uh, um, support with people that can come through. But not, sometimes businesses take also many years to you know establish themselves in that sense. That, look, mm -hmm. but never nobody's saying and everything is a guarantee. But it's not just an F&B. It's almost anything. You play sports, mm -hmm. right? You do this live stream, this podcast. It is no guarantee of success, isn't it? <laughs> you, you just got to, I've struck a, a very lighthearted note here. Painful <laughs> spot in, in the Longkang Kitty's heart. Oh, like when I was in the lift uh, coming up with Dr. Chi, I was telling him, actually, we just have not managed to monetize this podcast at all in all the years. <laughs> We've got one sponsor, right? Yeah, but you know, I've heard of, of people who endeavors are <laughs> right, endeavors right. Yeah. coming into all of a sudden they did. What happened in between, they don't quite know. But then it took years, you know, mm, yeah, for it yeah. suddenly to, to hit the, the, the right spot. And then, you know, things took off. So the, the whole idea is, no, look, success is never guaranteed, right? There's one of those cliches in life that, mm. yeah, it's mm. very true. It's it? true, it's true. Uh, but you've got to keep at it. You've got to persevere. And part of that has got to come from also a sense of drive, passion, love mm. for what you're doing, rather than say, hey, am I going to make money in this and all that kind of thing? I think it's a balance, right? Because you you need you need to have passion for what you do, but at the same time, if the the things that you kind of expect to help you keep going is not coming in, then it's going to be hard. Also, yeah. Well, this is one of those things, like which you know, on twenty twenty, you know, mm. hindsight, that kind of thing. Um, so you you just you've got to to be astute in mm. how you make your decisions mm. um, as you go go along true, true. I, I would argue that part of the success of orange and teal is beef brisket <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so, so good so the new branch got beef brisket right? yes yeah <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We, we stumbled onto something yeah. another part of the the, the beef and that's our beef cheese right? and, I, and I, I i definitely recommend the beef brisket yeah. Yeah. so so this is i mean i have a, my my i feel like we're curious that um, if I, if any one of us were to pivot to a new industry, um, the amount of things we would have to learn and to jump into and get into and be involved in is 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 crazy. So how how did you pick up the trade? Who is it? Do you have a mentor figure or do you have people who can who who taught you? You know, like like all these various manifold things about running a business. A &B. <laughs> yeah. I'm so intimidating. What do you think about? It? First of all, like where would you get your suppliers from? Do you, you know, like who who's cooking? Yeah, who's cooking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one thing that I honestly find that's, that's important in life like, and anything that you do is to make sure that you get the right people in there and not, mm -hmm. not knowing stuff, you know what I mean? Knowing people who know stuff mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily know, okay. right? Look, you, you have this setup, right? You, we know how to talk. Right, mm. but you've got to get somebody who knows the technical. The, the There's only one person, two people right. here. The other fifty percent is useless. So when you get that done, you know, then everything begins to fall into place, now. So the, okay. the important thing is find the right people, you know, at the right time for the right job. Okay, but let's say if you're a person like you know, our government loves to tell you like, oh, you know, learn learn as you age or whatever, you know, like there's the skills future, upgrade yourself continuously. 
um, is there is there something to be said for like the amount of money that they're pumping in to equip people with skills or new skills, learn new things, pivot yeah. to a new career? Yeah. You know, this whole future is just really, really uncharted. And anybody that tells you they know what's what lies ahead, believe me, they're lying to you. Mm. Okay, you look at AI. Artificial intelligence. Our jobs who are being knows? replaced. <laughs> yeah. No, no, literally. Gonna, who know, yeah, who knows where it's going to lead us, right? Yeah. And all this time we're talking about upskilling, you know, you, you, then the next thing you know, that you upskill, you know, something else replaces it already. I hear that, okay? Mm. I hear mm. that the next dangerous place where AI can go, they can, you know, troll the entire, all your legal law books and everything mm. and come up, come up with your legal strategy, how you should fight, what you should say and everything. Um, lawyers beginning to scratch their heads and think, mm-hmm. hey, you know, mm-hmm. and then accountants, right? And now some, you know, I just saw somebody just type in, hey, how, you know, he came to the cafe, was just sitting down mm-hmm. and just typing, hey, how do you think, how do you think Dr. Chi should, should proceed? Da, da, da. And the whole thing just went through my history <laughs> right, on right, the internet. Right, right. And this came up with things that, right. you know, jaw dropping, you know. What, what, was, what was the suggestions? Um, okay, like some of the things, you know, that, that I've thought about already, but just to have somebody, tell you what you've been thinking. It's, like, <laughs> it's pretty creepy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, but this is where we are, you know, and, and I tell you things to come. And then if you've got, you know, not stalled, but if you're self-driving cars, automated mm. this, automated that, um, where are we headed, you know? So you, you, you learn, like, you upskill, you say you become, you learn how to drive, like, and then the next thing you know, you're being replaced by this. Mm, mm. You know? So yeah. where, you know, it, it is the question I think we have to grapple with. Also, this very funny story. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and he he works in a transport company, basically. And I was talking to him about AI and how, you know, AI can generate art right now. Mm. And then a lot of artists are like being replaced by machines, actually, because, you know, they do it so well. Because he's a he's a, like a bus captain or bus driver or something. He was like, yeah, you see, you're artists. You know, when, when bus drivers being replaced, you all don't care. But... <laughs> You know, you're like, oh, it's okay. It's great to have self-driving cars. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to you, oh, wow, you, you are people so important, yeah. You know, and I think there's that, that like, um, kind of prejudice, I guess, we have against people who do manual labor yeah, or, yeah. you know, blue-collar jobs where we think that, oh, it's okay that they are replaced. But, you know, when, when something that, like, touches culture, oh, writers are being replaced, artists are being replaced, then we, like, get into this, like, giant <laughs> panic. Like, oh, my God, how can this be, right? Like, and I don't know, what do you think, can you, like, project <laughs> how it's going to be when AI is going to get a lot better and actually really replace jobs on a large-scale basis? Yeah, and, and and that's when you know when we don't have anything else to do. I mean, as, as far as jobs concerned, mm. what happens to our income, isn't it? That's why this whole idea, the whole concept of universal basic income, mm. right, is, is is taking root. Are and you a I proponent think, of it? Well, I, I think it has. You know, if if you you just to have that open mind about it, it it has to. It, it may come one day whether you agree with it or whether you like it or not. And I think um, rather than just us kind of suppressing it because, hey, you know, you have one prejudice or another, mm-hmm. uh, either for it or against it, mm-hmm. let's have an open debate about it. And this is where I think this, I, I think this forum here is fantastic. If I could mm-hmm. just transport you guys and say, do something like this at Orange and Teal, where you can have an audience coming and we have a proper 
you know, pe- a discussion with people putting in the two cents worth. Mm-hmm. I think these are all things that are worth talking about, isn't it? Oh, for sure. This brave new world, if you will. Um, nobody knows what's going to happen, but let's talk about it and let's see how all these things can can benefit us rather than hamper and, and, and um, creep us out. Mm-hmm. Actually, think, yeah. for, with UBI, right, we we kind of have a little experiment with it during COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, during we the, just got money. The nine months going. where they yeah. they disperse out like a thousand dollars for everyone. But, uh, but, 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 but right, like after you know, in actual UBI, they don't claw it back. Hey, of course, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. GST. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, the U.S. presidential um, hopeful Andrew Young. Mm. He, mm, right, yes. right, right. I, watch think, some I, I, I think, love this dude. You know, she did make some sense in that, right? Yeah. You let these people have this money. It's not going to fritter away. How much? You're not going to take mm. $700, $1,000, $2,000 and go for a trip to Paris, mm. right? You're going to have to buy groceries. Yeah. You're going to have to buy your daily necessities. That money is then circulating in the community. It benefits everybody, the business owner, the, the guy that works in the store and so on and so forth. So it's that kind of thinking, right? Rather than it being so us so dogmatic about it, especially with this this uh, a PAP government, mm. where every, the whole idea is nothing's for free, right? You've got mm-hmm. to no. It's not that things are free, but people need to eat. People need to survive, mm. and these are all taboos which I think um, we need to discuss. As I said, whether you're for or against mm-hmm. it, I think it's only healthy as society if we talk more about it and be open about it. Yeah, my so- money all went back. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pay yeah. mortgage. Oh, we man. absolutely should talk more about it because ever since young, especially in our generation, uh, we've been inculcated to believe what you just said just now mm-hmm. that everything must be. You must be deserving, basically, mm. of everything that you, you, you enjoy. Yeah. Right. Then you ask the question, right? Right. When you say you, you, you brought up this word deserving, right? Uh, um, who deserves what? How much is a human being worth? Right. The prime minister, how much is he worth? The lowly worker, how much is he worth? Those are all questions that we've got to ask, you know, philosophical as it might be. Mm. And right. I think, like, think yeah. Yeah. Mm. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Like, so, you know, during the pandemic, right? Like, we usually in Singapore, especially in Singapore, we have such a low opinion of people who, you know, who are like street supers and then people who, you know, take out trash and stuff. But during the pandemic, right, mm-hmm. they were the essential workers, you know, like all the lawyers can die and we'll still probably be okay. But, you know, if we didn't have like our healthcare workers and the people who clean our streets and all, 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 all these oh, essential man. workers, the delivery right? people, the delivery yeah. people. Um, we would have been in like big shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, like, we don't value their work very much, and they are amongst the most lowly paid and most financially insecure group of our society. And then you take a look at the, say, the, okay, like they're top bankers. Mm-hmm. What value do they add to society? Yeah, what what do they actually add value? And, and this is where I, I think sometimes you know when we put something out there, we tell people, no, that's valuable that's what you should strive for you, you know your stocks your, your investments and everything um to what end i ask and this is where i think you know sometimes we get our priorities all misplaced and but that is for society to to question to debate and i come back to this point i just think that it's dearth of it in singapore here um and, and i think that is going to be our, our achilles heel if you will going forward now we, 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 there's no 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 culture of us questioning and you know as i said you look at successful um, societies 
it's always this this questioning. It not may not be 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 chaotic kind of a place, mm-hmm. but a place that constantly asks questions because that's what life is all about, isn't it? Nothing is guaranteed. Your past success doesn't mean it doesn't guarantee your future success, isn't it? So mm-hmm. uh, that that kind of a culture, I think, is so missing in Singapore. Yeah. Do you think there is still, in a sense, meritocracy in Singapore? We are actively attracting very, very rich people here, you know, billionaires for other countries. They come here, park their wealth. I feel like it, it's getting to a point where the idea, the concept of trickle-down economics doesn't really, you know, when you look around you, you're like, where's the trickle-down? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, concept like meritocracy, you know, it's just it's so misused mm. and, and misapplied, if you will. Sure, I mean, in that sense, if there are two people sitting together, even as an you know, somebody that's just having, you're having a conversation with, you want to say, hey, you know, you have different skills, you have different talents, right? No two people are the same. And then you use, you know, you employ them for different um, reasons and different aspects of the task that you want to take them on for. But then problem with it is that after you've come up to succeed already, once you've succeeded, then meritocracy then becomes, becomes one which you pass it down to the next to generation, children, yeah. Right. So the very rich I know can move, literally move their 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 houses, move homes, mm. Bukitima area. Then you're within one kilometer of this top school, mm. right? Mm. Guess you how much is it to to move to to uh, um, uh, the choice the choiciest district real estate in Singapore, right? Cost you an arm and leg. Nobody, a very few people can afford it. Where is the meritocracy then? Right, and then you put it into school, and then that school then begins to get branded, and then so on and so forth. Uh, then you got money to pay for tuition. You go to all these big uh, tuition centers right now that I see in all these malls. That prices are scary, really scary. Mm. Then where is the meritocracy right now? Mm. I, I guess yep. you know the analogy would be that hundred meter dash, right? Mm. Right. You want to start at the same point. But you can't have somebody starting 50 meters behind. Somebody starts at uh, 50, and then you say finishing line is the same spot. Mm-hmm. Doesn't quite make sense, isn't you it? You know, and, and it's very funny because like a lot of our ministers, like every school is a good school, and then but then they insult people from RI or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then but but like as somebody who who was teaching for a while, right? Like the the difference is so obvious when like a student comes in from a good school versus one from a neighborhood school. They're not at equal starting points. And very often, right, like because I used to teach at a polytechnic level, I have to grade them equally, right? Because for example, they come in like year one, uh, it's a basic class, but some of the kids from the really good schools who have extracurricular activities and all the, you know, materials and and, uh, access to, you know, uh, extra tuition or whatever, they can perform at such a high level that, you know, they automatically get A's. And then my neighborhood kids, right, they come in, they don't know what's Photoshop, they don't know this, they don't know that. Yeah, they're still struggling with the technical st- aspects. Yeah, they so. don't even, yeah. they're, they're really learning the program, whereas the other kid is, you know, just going off and going, you On know, excelling or basic, right, right. Uh, basically. But like, yeah. I mean, we, we all teach in polytechnics. So at diploma yeah. level, so my trick to do that is really to figure out what they, where they come from, and mm. the people who uh, instantly can can get what you're trying to teach. Um, I would push them, challenge them more. Yeah, uh, which is know. why, which is why I think 
that is unfair because that's what also what I do because I want all my kids to do the best that they can, right? But in a classroom setting, I have 19 minutes. You know, I, I have to teach you the basic stuff for the people who don't know. And then so then the people who do know, they can perform so much better because they're not concentrating on learning. <laughs> they're concentrating on doing, right? So when I grade them, right, all the kids from the good schools, they get A's. And then my neighborhood kids get C's or D's because comparatively speaking, their work is not up to standard. But if I was just teaching a class full of people who don't know any of it, their work would be like B or A, you know? Sure. So like, I think that's a, that's a very giant issue that has to be addressed. Um, I mean, to some extent, the grading metric is calibrated to help that a little. Yeah. But Therein, still, I think, lies that problem in the sense of, of um, terms of what resources have been provided during mm -hmm. the formative years mm -hmm. as students, you know. And I'm, again, I, I want to emphasize the point I'm saying. I'm not saying that everybody is the same. Not everybody is equal in terms of talent, in terms of our perspective, in terms of how we deal with things. But what I'm just saying is that the resources that are provided for them to get that, that head start and then to be able to, to continue to push on, that makes a difference, right? But when you get up to a certain stage where, again, as I said, your formative years are, are been hampered because of, of lack of resources or even your parental um, you know, approach to things, your guidance and so on and so forth, that then creates a problem, which we've got to, as I said, uh, grapple with and see how that's what we've been talking a lot about the education system and how it, it, it begins to create that huge um, divide which is actually getting wider do you think we should follow china's example and just ban all tuition centers <laughs> and tuition teachers I, I didn't know that china actually did that huh? yeah china did that and but it created like a black market lah, of course <laughs> <Black> market <laughs> but, yeah and i think you know when you do something like this you yeah. you create an underground kind of thing um Again, I think it, a more intelligent approach would be to, to ask the question, what is an educated person, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, who, what kind of person do we want to produce after having gone through 10 years, 12 years of our education system? Mm -hmm. That is that, that fundamental question I think we've got to answer before. If all we think of is just grades and grades, we equate it with financial reward then done deal really not not hard to figure out right get your best and the brightest groom them like crazy give them all the resources and then then we, we succeed uh, uh turn out turn out scholars and put them into your 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 whatever companies or ministries that you want them in but if you want society to you know uh, to progress as a whole then you've got to be asking the question what is school right school are we pitting students against students or we just trying to figure out how to get everybody to realize the, the true potential to really achieve what they can be, whatever the level is. People that excel to different, you know, but have people then, then know themselves and rather than rank schools, I know that they don't do it officially, but mm -hmm. you know, whenever I you mean, have exams, mm -hmm. when you yeah. have your ranking in class, mm -hmm. top boy, don't know how many percentage and everything, and then you tell everybody, you know, what class you go to and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Even though you try to camouflage everything by giving your classes <laughs> now different names rather than A, B, C, D, which yeah. we had to go through, right? Yeah. Parents instinctively, they know. Yeah, they right? know one. Uh, yeah. they know. <laughs> and then yeah. you have your exams, exams, exams. Uh, you No matter what you tell people, no midterms, it doesn't matter. I know I've got a final exam. You better work hard. 
mm. right? And that's a kind of, of, of grueling, you know, rat race that we subject our, our students to. And I, I can tell you seriously, something. it's no wonder that you have all these mental health issues, isn't it? It's interesting also, I, uh, I spoke with a home tutor uh, some years back, and he, he's actually saying that uh, increasingly in, in North American universities, uh, especially those that are really difficult to get in, they don't really look at your grades anymore because they expect or they understand that everyone who's applying for high school is going to be at the top tier. They're looking for something that's different. So, you know, they're looking for people, young people who are political, they're looking for young people who have, uh, you know, work for charities and have their, um, you know, they, they basically have their, stuff, yeah, yeah. they have their life sorted out better than some 50 year old, you know, who's facing retirement. So they're looking for those people to, to get in. Uh, so that to build their school's brand as well. So, you know, like parents who push their kids to score A's for everything may not necessarily get into Harvard, you know, in the but, future. But just to push back on it, I think like there's the expectation that your grades have to be really good. And then on top of yeah, that, yeah, all yeah. these extra extra yeah. stuff, right? And that puts a tremendous additional pressure on our students that's sometimes quite unbearable. Mm. Right? And, 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 you know, I, I, I come back to this point, that, this point that I've made for years already. You were talking about exams, right? You've gone through it, whether it's your PSLE or your O-levels, your A-levels, whatever in between here. Everything is about memorizing the facts, right? And it's no secret that you've got your 10-year series. What's that for, right? You go and look for model answers, then you try to memorize it and da 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 da, da I think right? Singapore has one of the biggest like assessment book, like uh, publishing industry, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> right? And then you get into your exam uh, paper, you sit in front of it, and you hope to hell that the question comes up and then you hope you, that you can remember all those that you, things that you memorize and you regurgitate it. Yeah, you don't remember it after <laughs> the exam. <laughs> after the exam, everything just goes out of your brain. Yes. Like, huh, yes. what? Yes. I don't remember anymore. And, and, and yeah. you, know, you know all these things, right? Yeah. But hey, that's what I'm saying. That's how we tie in with AI, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I made the point, even before AI, just says, now you're competing against Google. You want to ask anything, you don't ask your teacher, you ask Google. I, I kid you not. I went to the, the hospital once for a uh, um, condition I was in, right? And then the, the um, specialist sitting there, he was typing on his computer, and he was just, you know, talking to me about what's diagnosis and so on and so forth. Then he turned his, his monitor <laughs> yeah. to me and said, Google. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, but this is where I'm, I, I'm yeah. saying, you, see, you know, you want things memorized. You know, you, you got to compete against the computer and how, you know, computers mm -hmm. can even play and beat you in chess, right? So this is where I'm asking, you know, that whole fundamental premise of what is education. It may have been during the years of industrialization, right? Mm -hmm. That you needed information, you needed knowledge, you needed know-how and they're going to, you know. But now we're living in a very different age, living in a very different world. And uh, we've got to be, have these conversations going forward about where are we headed for. In your research, is there any um, other country which is a model of education that you feel more uh, inclined to compared to what we have here? I, I, I don't know. I, I keep saying, thinking that we are always in Singapore here looking to other people for leadership. Mm. They may not have the answers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'm just, why can't we, as small as we are, it's never been a problem, right? In terms of inquiry, in terms of acquisition of knowledge, in terms of application of knowledge, if size of your country population is, is what is limiting us, then how do you get Sweden 
how do you get Finland? How do you get Norway? How do you get Israel? Mm-hmm. Populations that are New Zealand, not populations that are, you know, more or less there with with um, ours. But you know, achieving great strides in 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 future in, in thinkers and thought leaders in terms of how we apply science and all these things, it's not, it shouldn't be a barrier. What is a barrier is that political culture. And that's why I come back again. I, I know that, you know, you know it, but it is reality. It is a fact that the government sits on the people and because of its own political self-interest, very narrow interest, don't allow Singaporeans to really realize our full potential when I really think that, you know, our future lies in this. And I just, mm-hmm. if only, if only we could have people in there that just halfway enlightened and see that political control. Yeah, it may be good now in the sense of power and, and wealth and that kind of thing. Mm. But think of it in the longer term and what, how it, it's going to be a, a detrimental to our society. So question, right? Uh, okay, none of us are parents here, right? <laughs> You're all like child-free people. <laughs> cat parents. Cat, cat parents. parents. Cat parents, yeah. Cat parents. I, they know how to like educate cats, I guess, or not. Um, but you've brought up three kids, right? Like, I think one thing that was very memorable to me, I've, I have a godson. He's, I think, in secondary one this year. And when he was a child, right, his, parent, his parents were very, like, chill about his schoolwork. You know, they didn't, like, enroll him in multiple, you know, pre, preschool class and stuff. So he was at those, those, like, forest play schools where he was, like, so happily engaging with the world around him, you know. And when, when time came for primary one, right, he was actually excited to go to school. You know, he was like, oh, I can't wait to get homework. You know, I can't wait to do homework. And then after two weeks in school, right, you see the entire curiosity and spirit sucked out of him. And he started to dread going to school because there's so much pressure to perform academically. Uh, and I think he has like slight learning disabilities in some some spots, right? Like, but he's a very bright kid. You know, when you talk to him, you're like, oh, he's a very intelligent kid. Um, and so how, okay, let, I mean, because the system change takes a very long time and you cannot wait for the system to change before you do something on your part as a parent, right, to help your child. So what can parents actually do to reinforce or, or to, to mitigate the harm, I guess, that is done? Not, not harm, but, you know, oh, like the yeah. impact of sure, the, sure. our education on the kids. You know, oftentimes as a parent, um, and I, I do this looking back because I know I've made my own mistakes in bringing them, and nobody can be perfect if we learn as we go along, even as parents. But the one thing I found it to be a very uh, important guiding post was the idea that children, your children, are individuals in their own right. Right? You you, you are very different from your siblings. Mm. Not to mention, not <laughs> mention your friends. Your parents, mm. different personalities, whether you're more outgoing, more gung-ho, or more reserved, more introvert, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and this is where we have to realize that everybody grows up and they ought to grow up to be their own persons, whatever those persons turn out to be, right? And as a parent, your best gift to them, I think, is to um, encourage them to pursue their own wants, their, their own drives, their passions, which may be very different from yours. So I, I try in that sense, I don't always succeed. I must admit it up front <laughs> right now that I don't always, I, I try not to impose what I want because they're not some things for you to, 
you know, it's not mm-hmm. your extension, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and you just encourage them to, to live their lives the best way that they, they see how, and then trust them to go out and, and pursue. That's the best thing that you can do for them. And then not to say, hey, make sure you get your, your A's out. Now you go to mm-hmm. uh, um, um, uh, tuition class and make sure you come back, you finish your homework. Yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. oh, okay, like, you, you try to instill, inculcate that sense of, of hard work and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But you've got to also be able to modulate moderate your, your expectations and, and know that you know they have to live their own lives ultimately I, i'm not speaking from experience obviously but uh when my friends are talking about their kids right and you know because i went through like secondary school with my friends right and they're all like freaking like aliens or don't care about <laughs> class you know? they, they go to the the polytic clinic to get mc and, and skip school they're those kind of people right and when now they are having their kids like oh my god now i finally understand why my my mom is so angry when i skip school because i think there's that pressure that to to make your kids succeed because you're afraid that in the future they will not be able to do well in life yeah no it's also your offspring right like you want your offspring to stand out against yeah yeah you want them to do the best that they can now whichever that means and and in singapore it's often a very academic focused Mm -hmm. uh Yeah. Definition of success. And, and I think that that's the difference between what permissive parenting is versus what authoritative, mind you, it's authoritative, not authoritarian parenting. <laughs> that difference right. is there. You've got to sometimes just draw the fine line. When, and it's the hardest thing because there isn't a tennis series for parents. You go and you flip behind and say, oh, the answer to this question is then you do this and everything will turn out well. No, you know, we're dealing with human beings. You know, and you know, human beings got the myriad of, of emotions and, and expectations and so on. So you, you have that situation whereby um, you, you, you just got to titrate sometimes, right? You know, you just let go a little bit and pull back. And then you, once you find yourself, you, you're, you're pulling back too much, let go again, that kind of thing. And hopefully things work out. There isn't a one size fits all kind of thing. I'm just going to read some questions from the live chat. So one of it, without focusing on grades, what kind of benchmark would you implement to maximize the average Singaporean potential? I think it's important for us to, to measure ourselves according to what we are capable of, mm-hmm. that the potential that we can be. And it takes a special system, special curriculum, people who know what education is about to bring out that potential, to motivate our students. And not to say A, B, C. A is the best, B, okay, still C, mediocre, that kind of thing. And then just don't have this, this system where we're comparing, you know, one child to another, mm-hmm. right? Have them com- compete with themselves. How they can continue to, to, to improve on what they've done yesterday, mm. right? And then going forward to make sure that, you know, uh, their grades are kept to themselves. And if, if there needs to be grades, right not? And that it's for their consumption and their consumption only. And then don't just go, oh, next year, because you're doing so well, so next year you go to this class. Next year, you're not so good, you go to this, this mm-hmm. lower stream. All that affects that kind of thinking in terms of, I must do well in exams. And there's nothing else in life that, that um, because what about things like uh, um, other skills in life? Right? How you handle um, pressure, right? how you cope with mental uh, um, pressure you know, or, or conditions in life 
disappointments. All these skills are not taught to our, our, our students, our children. And those, I think, are life skills that you really need to. And what about, okay, you're talking about knowing how to manage your finances, things mm-hmm. like that. Okay, like, as yeah. children, maybe too young, you don't know. But mm. after some time, you come in the real world, say, oh, yeah, my gosh, there's something called budget, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, right? you're like, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess it's like the 150 a day, what can you buy? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you have to figure it out. What if do you I, get in recess? If I buy the sparkly stationery pen, then I cannot buy lunch. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but okay, going back to that educational thing, right? Like, I think we ha- also have to be aware that like we cannot keep asking educators to teach all of these things. I think there uh, a lot of my friends who are educators in, in, in the local system, you know, they, they get tasked to do so many things that are outside oh, of man. what right. they are, uh, right. you know, they actually trained for, for mm-hmm. example, you know, during the pandemic, they had to teach people how to use Zoom and then like coordinate the class lessons and lesson plans. And then do, when, when there was like racial disharmony happening in Singapore, oh, then they have to teach about how to integrate uh, racial harmony in Singapore and, and how to talk about racism when when these are actually very specialized things that other people you know have careers doing and also mental health you know um, it's it, uh, in a way how do teachers teach that right like where, where where does the role of the school end and where does the role of the parent begin actually no that, that that's a national discussion national debate that ought to be there. And I'm not talking about the kinds that, that, that the government you know prescribes for He's us, like, right? can we have right. your opinions, yeah. huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you, you, you pick and choose, select the people that you want mm. yeah. Views whom you want to hear. I am talking about from the really literally ground up mm. where we can hear the, the input um, of, of educationists, educators, and have this honest debate about you know, all these matters, um, you know, you're talking about racism, that kind of thing. And then one situation happens and then everybody just says a racial harmony day, that kind of thing. <laughs> but is there something that else that needs to be talked about? Um, and, and what about, as I said, I can't keep coming back to this because it's a huge, huge issue in, in our society right now. It's mental health, mm. um, things like that. What are we putting? And, and I know teachers quietly tell me that they, they see among their students yeah. Um, mm, yeah. O levels, A levels. And yep. that's where teenagers begin to, you know, you, you, you begin to t- develop mm. hormonal changes and everything and adds on that pressure. Oh, are we having that, that discussion? And then here we are trying to refer them to counselor, this counselor, that, and then, you know, um, is, is that helping? So these are things that we need to, to address and talk about. And very often, I think, I think the system is just overwhelmed. Like they have one counselor or two counselors for the entire school <laughs> where, and, and you know, like mental health is not just like you go for one session and, oh my God, I'm cured, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like yeah. often these kids have to go for multiple uh, sessions and then, mm-hmm then you've got a pile up, right? Because there are so mm-hmm. many students in the school who need counselling, right? So um, I think given the crazy amount of money that we have, <laughs> you know, uh, we, are, we are not a poor country. I so, think we can afford to spend a lot more on mental health than we are currently. And at this point of time, I'm not even asking, the, I'm not even asking for handouts. Just let me use my medicine yeah, for medi-save. therapy. Yeah. There's just something as simple as, as that, you know. It's my own money anyway, right? Yeah. Medi-save. No, but so. yes, to last you until you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I, if I don't go for therapy, You're I might die. Yeah. yeah, I know, which is like the fucking crazy thing, right? Yeah. Because it, it is your money, but it's locked there and then you can only spend it in a certain way. You know, like I, I go for dental treatment, right? Like you, you can't even spend like 
money on certain treatments, you have to pay out of pocket. Mm. You know, like it's only for very select things like, I don't know, um, wisdom, wisdom teeth, tooth removal or whatever that you can use. Like it, as if like it's other like things, like, yeah, as, as if other yeah. things don't cause me pain and discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't get me started on the medis. Medical, you know, side of yeah. funding right, finances, right, right, side right. of we talk about it, length mm. about it. Um but then you know when you again, you know, it's all related, this mental health thing, you mm. know. Um teenagers, students come up to me and say, you know, that school counselor bites you and <laughs> it's just you know it's there right, and then right. they go to them and then okay i'll make a point with you mm. I, I i don't know like that that's mm. they, they're, they're saying that it's not a help to them when they need something a lot deeper and a lot but know, i think more than that like as as with what angie says that a lot of these things uh like you know uh, therapy and stuff like that you know really needs a lot of sessions and then from what i understand most of the time teenagers don't have that patience they, they feel like they know something is wrong, but they want like an instant fix. They seem to not understand that, you know, you, you need to really go through a lot more. I think it's the hormones, up. you know, like... The, the hormones doesn't help the, as well. The yes. level of patience yes. increase as you age. Mm, mm, you know, when you're 16, mm. you're like, oh my God, why, why is everything so against me? The whole world is against yeah. me. I hate the world. Like if you're 30 years old, you probably understand, okay, okay it takes time, you know. Which but, is why you see like activists being so like rah-rah when they're young. And then when you get older, you're like, ah, okay lah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess that's where I think school psychologists are important. Mm. But the numbers must be there for so that they're properly equipped to be able to handle some right, of these things. And now students come and go and then they say it's no use to them. So um, just another comment from the live stream, live chat. Uh, and I think this ties into the mental health as well, you know, uh, from Sheila. Not so much a question, but a reflection. It is just not safe to fail in Singapore. There isn't support if we don't make it in the system. The fear pushes, makes the parent push children hard to succeed. And I think that stress... You know, I, I'll tell you, you look at the biggest success stories in the world. The one thing that is common right through. You, you read the histories, you read the biographies, you read, the, you know, the developmental stages. I'm not talking about uh, um, individuals also, so including organizations, companies, and they just made it top. You name it, uh, Apple, your Google. Uh, the one thing that has the in commonality right through failure, mm. failure. Everybody had to go through that, mm -hmm. and it, failure was nothing. It, it didn't deter them from wanting to do more. Yet. And that's why I, I keep, you know, somebody, some politician from the other side. Once commented that I was a failed this, you know, fa uh, failed that. Do you want to name him? Name <laughs> 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 I, I think it's just good to just focus on what was said. We just like to stir shit here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point, you see. Mm -hmm. We always, and then they always define success as, as what they are, right, what right. they've achieved right now. That success. If you don't, if you haven't achieved what I've achieved, you fail. And it's that kind of just not, an, uh, not only just the narrow definition of what failure is, but also how it applies to you in, in, in life. You know, that makes a huge difference about how we see ourselves as a society, how we propel ourselves going forward, and, and how we mold our future generations. That is, I think, that the core of it. We've got to get away from this whole idea then. And it's just, it's been very pervasive. Right, now, parents. It's very inculcated. It's baked into our, 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 our national DNA. But I must say, it all had started from the fact that hey, you know, uh, um, we achieved what 
we achieved as a nation, uh, um, not because of that, 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 but because of our own 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 work, and nobody gave us anything, which which isn't true. Mm. Okay, which isn't true. Okay, that's a myth uh, that we didn't have any resource. Because if you think about it, the fact how many countries is it, huh, can claim that we are at right nicely situated mm. between Atlantic and the Pacific, right? Mm. And the ships all have to come through. And then mm. not only that, that we've got uh, um, deep uh, shelters, shells, mm. seashells. We've got and, geographical and, privilege. Right? <laughs> and that one, as I say, you know, you're going, you know, it, it's not like oil where you, you mm. one day run out. It's this, you know, you can actually, you know, it's used ad infinitum, that kind mm. of thing. So, We've got that natural resource. So let, let's not, you, you know, just, just toot our own horn too, too loudly in that sense. Now. But at the same time, also know that, yes, you know, we've got to look at how we're, we're going to move ahead. And times have changed. Mm. We've got to have a different uh, um, thinking, different paradigm in terms, terms of how we see ourselves going forward. I, I, there's this anecdote that just came to my mind, and it's from a friend who, who's also an educator in a secondary school and um, what she told me was that you know, she teaches the NT classes back when is there still NT right now I'm not sure but there is still right like, yeah. so so back when uh, this was a couple of years ago she, she, was, she was telling me right like uh, she teaches the NT classes and she loves teaching the NT classes but they're very different from like the normal classes because the way that you manage the class is very different right so but one time uh, there was this there was this, uh, I, I guess, uh, person who was formulating lesson plans for the class. And this person came from a, a very prestigious, like, secondary school, right? And then this person made lesson plans as if she's teaching a normal class, mm. right? So when she tried to implement the lesson plan, right, it felt terribly because a lot of teaching in, in classes like that, right, where, where the students are not, like, academically inclined, is about classroom management. Mm. So, you know, like the, the whole idea of just one narrow definition of success or one narrow definition of like how things should work, right? Especially coming from a point of view of a person who's never actually experienced what's happening on the ground, yeah. uh, which I think can be extrapolated to our political scene, you know, because they do come from a very narrow select band of people mm. compared to, you know, like last time our MPs were like, what, farmers mm. and, 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 and tradespeople. Right. Uh, and I think, do you see like the impact on the ground, like a lot, a lot of the impact on the ground from policies that work only in very certain ideal yeah. conditions? Yeah. I, and I think that is the saddest part of, I, I come back to this point about our potential as a society, you know, where we actually really at that point just kind of get the creme de la creme, if you will. And then, you know, mm. and then the rest of them, you guys do all in the lumpen masses. I, I like being a lump. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, that's where I think enormous amount of potential talent always. And, and look, don't, don't take it from, from me, but um, you remember uh, Steve Wozniak? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, Steve Jobs' yeah. partner yeah. started Apple. Can you see? You cannot start in... You, Apple could not have uh, started in Singapore because the creative elements were all not there. And, in, you know, like if you've read some of them... They were all, you know, uh, contrarians, dissidents. They were just, you know, uh, didn't go to school. Steve Jobs walked around barefoot and long hair, that kind of thing. He'd be laughed out of class in Singapore, that kind of thing, mm. right? And this is where I'm, I'm saying reality 
in life. It's very different from what we, we sometimes would like to impose it on. You go through this primary one, two, three, four, good, get good grades, and then you do go to this stream, and then you go to that stream, and then come out, you, you know, you change the world. Doesn't quite work that way. Human beings are, you know, unpredictable. This whole world is unpredictable, right? Try to see what's going to happen to you in tomorrow. Might not be right. here. Mm. <laughs> this is what I'm just trying to say, but I'm not saying that there shouldn't be rules in place for us to, to make society just, you know, governable, workable, that kind of thing. But that's a balance in there with too much of it, then you're going to problems. You're going to, to um, stifle all kind of creativity, innovation, and that's where we've got to find that balance and i'm just saying we're just way too much on on, on mm. one side right now i would love to see a far more diverse um uh diverse amount of people in in the in the leadership no it wouldn't be cool if you have a mp who's actually a hawker <laughs> who who has found success in that in that arena right and then he, he can bring he or she can bring their their uh the knowledge that they have gained into into policy making mm. let's go back to that medisafe issue because i feel like it's such an important topic um, because we are we are living longer, right? And then uh, as we age, there are more medical issues that will crop up. And with the <laughs> cost of inflate, like the 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 cost of living now, inflation and all that, right? Like sometimes I think, am I even able to retire at all? You know, in France right now, I mean, like riots and protests have been raging for, yeah. for I think a month or so. Um, and and it's because the government proposed to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. And this is something that actually Singapore has already done, you know, like mm -hmm. our our retirement age, right, was raised to 65. And then it's going to be 70 by 2030. And then is it going to be like 80 or 85 when, when it's for, for time for us to retire, right? Like, and I can kind of understand, right? Because in France, they have a pension system and then they have a falling birth rate. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very difficult to say that, hey, man, we've got infinite resources and we can afford to pay out the pension. But how do we resolve this issue? Well, I, I think you, you, you have this huge problem of that issue that we brought up on your land cost, isn't it? Because as I see it, the younger generation, they come up, you want to buy your BTO. Think of how much your BTO is, right? And then think of the interest that you've got to pay as you, you know, walk through the years. By the time you finish paying off, right, your last installment, how much did you have left in your CPF? Nothing. And then that, that whole idea of CPF started is, is when, in the 1950s, I think, was just the ability for you to put aside a bit of any side, about 5%, for you be, uh, your wages, put inside as a nest egg. And then it started growing. And then the government said, hey, that's a good <laughs> pool of uh, money. That can. So they wanted to use it um, not just for housing. Now you can use it for Medisafe. At one point, I'm not sure if you can still use it for investments and that kind of thing. I think you still you can. Still can, right? still can. Right? And for education yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where I, I'm uh, uh, we're trying to get at your, your, your pension saving scheme has now become you know this, this huge source of finances for the government to tap into. And this is where I worry, you see. And then, you know, your, your BTO prices keeps going up. That the question is not just on MediSafe. When you retire, then what happens, you see? And, and now we're getting into all this, this gig economy already. And um, a lot of these people have no savings. Right. And, and they don't really contribute to CPF. Ask, no, that's why they're pushing uh, CPF for gig, uh, gig yeah, workers yeah, yeah, yeah. under 25. Yeah. yeah. So you have your huge swaths of your, your population here driving Grab. 
delivery and everything, mm. I worry about in terms of what happens. You know, um, I'm just going to ask a question from Reggie. He asked you to comment on PSP's HDB proposal. I'm not sure if you are familiar with it. Yeah, well, I, I, Reggie, you know, if you, you, I, <laughs> I want to also refer you to a policy paper we put up years before anybody else came up with. Yeah, it's not one of those two-page kind of thing. We actually came up with a, a, a whole document about it. Um, it's Is it the buyback? Sorry, is it? Yes, the, yes. not not the buyback. We, we we propose something which we we, we call a non-open market, right? Um, the, and, and we wanted it uh, our public housing, public housing, mm-hmm. mm. all right, to be something that people buy, but you don't are not able to sell it at, in the open market for profit because mm. that's your home. Mm. It's not an, a, a place that you you. It's you, not you an do. asset. Yeah. And, and because of that of that, then everything drives up. Then your your, your resale prices become so expensive, yeah. uh, and then people just scramble to buy a million dollar HDB house, and that just drives up prices and so on. And this is where I'm saying, you so you buy it at much lower price, but when you want to sell it for one reason or another, you have to sell it back to the government, but not at a profit basis. Of course, everything else you know with with uh, minus your your. Uh, occupation and uh, years of occupation and so on and so forth. Then you leave a whole chunk of money still in your CPF, so that when you retire, you're still able to uh, uh, to use it. Because right now, you say, oh, you're you're, you're asset rich but cash poor, that kind of thing. But you can, you know, your your, your bricks and, and your your wires in your house. <laughs> Does this only apply to like the new built, like for your proposal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the ones that are already currently in the system? Because to be honest, right, I, I can buy yeah. right now if I want to, but I look at the prices and I feel like crying yeah. because I'm like, <laughs> why am I paying half a million dollars for a three-room flat? Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, it's insane. More than and half a million if you include yeah. rentals yeah. and everything. And, and our proposal <laughs> included a scheme whereby existing owners, you've got already, right, the government can compensate you and it, we've worked out, you know, formula for them, but people don't lose out. Existing owners don't lose out as well because you can't, they can't be put in like, Four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, and then now you you know you bring down housing prices, and then what ha- what's happened to the money? So we've got a formula in there for. So look, I I know it's it's boring and that kind of thing, but do avail. So we've got you know executive summaries and then where can everything. they find this? And, uh, just on our website and the links I just put up on my Facebook as well. So go in and, and just take a look. If not, just just you know get in touch with me. I'd be more than happy to to point you in the right direction too. Awesome. I think we'll post the link in our our description yeah. box later. Mm-hmm. Okay, just going back to to that whole idea of retirement, right? Like, uh, I think, you know, gig economy workers not being able to retire or I, I've heard so many of my friends saying that they're not even going to retire in Singapore. Like, they, they're going to f- go overseas because it's much cheaper yeah. there. And I think the, the cost of living crisis, if you can call it a crisis, like, I guess, um, kind of erodes our patriotism for the country like it, it erodes the 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 want to even stay in this country and contribute to it even though like you know we kind of can a lot of my friends are doing pretty well mm. financially but they're like you know why why would i want to stay here right like it, it, it it's gonna eat into my savings when i retire I, i'm not gonna generate new income unless i invest or something and and they're just gonna leave yeah. and so i think um is it important you know that we keep our citizens here because we're importing at a at a pretty good rate anyways. 
Yeah. Is it important to have native Singaporeans you know, in Singapore? It's one of the saddest things, isn't it? That a place that you grew up in, your sights and sounds, your memories, all this come for something, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and then when you retire, your best days of your life, you've contributed to this society, and now you find yourself having to uproot what about your community? Right, that that's one thing that we cannot discount, right? It's it's not that easy as well. But then I can understand too because due to financial pressure and just having to survive, you really have to uproot sometimes and just in order to to get by from month to month. But this is where I'm I'm trying to to the whole idea of what being a citizen here is all about. It's just is it just purely transactional? A utilitarian kind of, of approach whereby okay well you're good you contribute to the economy you you, you live and when you once you put out the pasture you know Isn't bye-bye, it, was it Corbun one who said that you can just put your parents across the causeway that's, that's the whole uh, um, mentality that it's just so shocking man. and and you know that's the other thing about it so then we get People, not just the, 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 the retirees, you know, your younger folks, it's this lifestyle is impossible, mm-hmm. so, so stressful and so, so they leave. Yeah. But then we find we have, you know, not enough folks and everything. Then we import them, foreign, foreigners come in and that creates that whole friction. Foreigners should be here to complement the main body, the skeleton. But I remember Prime Minister was saying, you know, without these foreigners, our economy would collapse. He's stating a fact. Mm. How do we get up to that point in the first place, mm. right? Our people should be able to be drive the economy, be the drivers of the economy, and then wherever we have a shortfall for this, that, that kind of thing, which inevitably, as a global city, you will face. Okay, let's be, be be upfront about mm. that. Then you do that, right? But you cannot have saying that oh, without these foreigners, our our, our economy of pancake it doesn't quite make sense to me. And you've had what 30, 40, 50 years of uninterrupted rule. For you to devise a system to make this work, our education system for make 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 it work, and then we find ourselves in this 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 pickle right now where you know we cannot survive without foreign talent. Mm. That that is, I think, something has gone wrong somewhere, which they still are, are, are won't admit. So I think Mr. Leong from <laughs> PSP has been accused of xenophobia a lot when he brings up issues of immigration and mm. like versus job creation and how much how many jobs are going to the foreigners right um and how do we mitigate that tension between locals and foreigners because to some extent we really do need them given like how our population is not replacing itself right now i think this year our TFR is at our lowest ever it's like 1. some 1.0 1.0 1.01 1.04 yeah, it, yeah, it's like super duper low. Yeah. How how do we then manage this integration of new immigrants to Singapore? And because if we look across the world, right, currently, uh, especially in Europe, in the US, um, the far right is gaining a lot of traction because of immigration issues, mm. right? And it to some extent, right, there there are countries with um. What's that word? Where there's, there's, there's homogenous populations, mm. right? White people or or whatever. Um, but we've always been a migrant country, right? Like our, our ancestors came from elsewhere, and you know, a so-called melting pot of people with like lots of diversity. How do we mitigate that tension? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, you know the saying, "I sticks and stones," isn't it? Because you know, it's just pure politics. Huh? The government, PAP, will put labels on you. But that straw man 
argument using, okay. whereby they make you they put labels uh, on, on things which you do not say, and we've said repeatedly that we're not calling from zero immigration. But we're saying that there must be some kind of level where just bring some 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 sanity into uh, this whole process now, right? Um, as I said, you know, it was, goes back now to more than just how many people do we need? What kind of talent do we need? We've got to go back into and look at more fundamental issue as how did we come up to the stage in the first place? Mm-hmm. I remember once some, you know, again, the PM was mentioning something that like we don't have enough engineers or something like this. Well, ask yourself, why did we have shortage of engineers, right? Because were they emphasizing that rah-rah thing about the financial uh, financial service sector and that kind of, so everybody was, you know, all, you know, in, in, in more patois here, chong to that, that sector and they leaving this whole uh, um, very neglected part of it. And then we panic and say, oh, now we've got to have, mm. you know, uh, more people in this area. And then in the meantime, because we were shortage of, of engineers, we just kept bringing in engineers and then, you know, paying them very cheap, uh, um, low levels, wage levels. And then that created that whole problem of this spiral downwards and no Singaporeans wanted to come because wages were so low, that kind of thing. So you've got to ask that, that more fundamental question. Is that you start a fire and then try to get the, the, the person, the arsonist to come up and then, and then you just try to fight fires, run and you start more fires and you fight more fires, that kind of thing. I keep saying, you know, just make sure we get to the, the fundamental root cause of it. That's only when we can solve the problem. And one of those things is this, look, where is our economy headed? Where is society headed? Are we just continuing looking for, for more and more manpower instead of, of, of relying on brain power? And where, you know, where is, is our society going to benefit from all this, you know? I'm just going to read out a question. Um, the economy collapse might be because Singaporeans do not wish to be cleaners and manual laborers. Is this a direction we want to push Singaporeans into? Into what? I'm sorry. Uh, into like uh, jobs like cleaning and manual labor and stuff like that, which is traditionally held by yeah. uh, immigrant workers. Yeah. Well, n- nobody is workers. saying that that uh, we need to push people into certain sectors, and, but certain things need to get done. It's just how we value these, our workers, correct? And if we keep t- telling people that, you know, um, picking up trash is uh, um, very low level, you don't want to do that, that kind of thing, then, you know, there's a certain stigma. There's just no pride. I'm not saying that, you know, people will just kick their heels and, and, and whistle all the way to just, but there, there are ways of doing that, isn't it? You automate it right now. Look, I, in my own cafe, you I've pick on, up the club. on very many occasions. It's, you know, tie up the, the trash bag. Mm-hmm. I drag it down all the way to the refuse uh, um, center, throw it away, and look. I it's not that something I do every day, lah, But still, you know, you touch up, take pride in whatever that you, you're, you're doing, mm. and it's no shame. It really is no shame, right? If people see me, they recognize me. They see me pushing out this this uh, trash bin full of black bags and everything. I say hi, you know. Do and people you come are, up to you and say this is not becoming or like you know like should I be seeing the church? But they will say hi. They Why say, are you doing you this? Talk, let's just walk. Take a walk with me or go down that that cargo list and then mm. you know a stinky place and everything. But it's how you approach this whole thing. You know what I'm saying? So if you just find this all very shameful kind, no, you mm. know. And that's why I say you, you, we don't. You, you know, garbage collectors. 
right? Sometimes we can do it ourselves too, isn't it? Right? Make it easy and then you've got automated things. It doesn't have to be a very downcast kind of thing. So, you know, it's how we, we approach and we see. Just as a follow-up, do you, do you think um, the low esteem that, you know, Singapore society holds for essential workers like these, like say garbage collectors and so on, is because of the pay? Because in, in my experience, like I've got a friend who is from Canada. Mm. He's never gone through his college degree, but progressively he has gone through his plumbing certification. Right. right? And he's making more money than college grads. You know, in, in Aussie, when I, I was studying there, right, mm-hmm. I, I realized mm-hmm. that there was no stigma whatsoever if you're a yeah, I was just going to, to, yeah. to, to yeah, because they're paid right? well. I had some friends who, who, who went over to um, Australia and then mm. they looked at, you know, this building was under construction, right? And they see a few white guys sitting it's over there. It's all Australian you know? construction workers. And then, you know, he was at the lunch break, like, mm-hmm. taking a coffee and then drinking, taking mm-hmm. a break over there and said, hey, I don't mean to use derogatory, but you know how it is, right? He said, hey, I'm more so this kind of thing in yeah. Singapore you only see the, the Bangladeshis and, yeah, and exactly. kind of, so it's that whole kind of stigma that we, we uh, um, attach to you know it's just very unbecoming having that kind of vocation but I know my gardener last time when I was in Melbourne for uh, um, a, a year or two mm-hmm. uh, not didn't just take care of us wasn't rich enough to afford one but the landscape you know how it was it's just mm-hmm. like a con- mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just taking on the common property he came in he was a white guy you know, just trimming the bushes, you know, shredding and making chips out of the wood and everything. Mm. We sit down, we have conversation. You could tell, tell, talk to me about social issues. Very well-educated guy, but took pride in his work. Mm. But this is my problem here. And it just didn't come out from nowhere. Mm. It's this whole thing that's, that's come down from the government. And I, I, I say this because, again, another minister, again, I won't name names. Uh, everybody knows who it is like, anyway like, I shouldn't just coy about it but in any case it was saying oh he hasn't held a full time job but at that time I was making an income I could feed my family I was doing my writing my books I was selling my books but that's the whole mentality you see somehow if you don't do what they're doing mm-hmm. right uh, making the big bucks going to a, a, a spanking office and so on and so forth you know somehow other you are somehow, you know, a below grade or something. And I'm just making, you know, oh, you don't have a job. It, it's, it's work, you know. You try to, to, to write in, you, you do research, mm-hmm. you think about the future, things that you, you have to grapple with. And uh, then, okay. Like I mean, the you were doing what you were doing as an academic, only that you're not employed. Right? Yeah, school, in the right? sense, I was more, more writing more on my books and, and, and mm-hmm. rather than being employed in a, a, an institution, you know getting drawing a monthly salary, but at the same time, it's this work. And then when you sell your books, that's the income that you use, you know, and it's still work, but somehow you get trashed for it. And I think that's the whole kind of, and it, it, it seeps into your, your subconscious, the single mm-hmm. subconscious. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're not doing that, your, your nine to five job, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and uh, your self-esteem also, right? Like, you know, like yeah. if, if you, if you're being seen in the kind of light by the everyone and you start feeling bad about yourself, that, that's why mm. I say it, it's it's no less, and I, you, I know it's a very strong word, but it's the disease here. And it's disease mm. that's no less uh, um, emanating from your, your very top echelons of, of government. Mm. And I think that's very, very unhealthy for society. I think the thing about like taking pride in your work is also the fact that productivity actually increases 
you know, uh, when when you know what you're doing. Like we, we have this habit of employing low-skilled labor and a lot of actually the Bangladeshi workers were not even trained in, in mm. construction. You know, a lot of them actually have degrees in yeah. other things, you <laughs> know, and but because they couldn't find jobs mm. where from in their home countries, they come over here and they're not like skilled labor, right? Uh, trained for construction. And so what happens is that like, I, I, had, I have a, a bit of experience being like a safety supervisor. So you have to employ like one person to stand there just to make sure that everything is safe, mm. right? Whereas if you actually had a skilled laborer, they know what to do. You don't need, I don't need to be there. Yeah. And I think like there are a lot of complaints about the quality of the BTOs uh, currently, mm. right? There's a lot of uh, issues that yeah. people have to rectify. And it, I think it's a lot of it is also because there's no skilled labor and people, and the workers there, you know, they're, very badly paid. They can't even have like a proper meal. Have you seen like mm, what yeah, they're eating the every day? It's just like a giant pile of white rice uh, and curry, you know, and maybe a little bit of vegetables for a very intensive manual mm. labor under our fucking Singapore weather. So they, I, I, I wouldn't blame them, you know, for 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 the quality of work that they do, but it's an issue, and we're paying a lot of money for it as well. You know, again, as I said, it all comes down to your, your whole mindset and how you see and you value human beings rather than as, you know, your, your economic output skill set that you have. We, we, you see people as people, human beings as human beings, or do we see them merely as, as digits, economic digits that can contribute to this, uh, um, you know. It, it's the saddest thing. I mean, I know that when, when we were renovating the space, Rochester um, Mall there, I, I, I remember during lunchtime, you know, they were doing their, you know, knocking and, and drilling and so on and so forth. So I bought some makan for them and, and I said, and, mm. and, you know, brought in our tables already. Mm. And he just would not, or he didn't dare to sit mm. at the table. I said, sit table and eat, I've got the chance. We just sit mm. and I wanted to sit with them and just talk to them. Mm. But he'd take his pack, packet of whatever that I bought oh. for him, forgotten. He'd go to the corner and sit on the floor. And he just said, I said, no, don't do that. And, but he just feels very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's how sometimes how we value. And I, I know he's not Singaporean, but he's a human being. It doesn't mean that I, we take care of only of our own kind, isn't it? Mm. But this is where I think it's a very sad commentary. And I hope that things will change. And for better or for worse, you know, we start this, this whole endeavor to try to change. By the way, it was a pretty cool thing that you did to treat those uncles and aunties to like a meal. Uh, at, uh, at Orange and TU. It's an ongoing thing, right? Where you treat the cleaners in the mall. Yeah. But then uh, you know, the backstory is that sometimes they feel very uncomfortable coming in. Right? Mm. It's just, hey, you tap out for what's that? Okay. La. Then, you know, is, why? Where paise do they... la, I, I seen that. Paise la. But where yeah. does the, that sense of embarrassment come from? Is it because they're not used to going to fine, de- fine restaurants or is it because mm. the mall, mall like landlords are like, why are you? <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that part, I, I'm not quite sure, but I know that they're wearing their uniform, mm. you know, sometimes right. their uniform. And then, you know, if you go down to the, you know, you, you just malls, you walk around, it's always nice and, and bright and airy and that kind of thing. And then you go down to the things, everything is dark and smelly and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether they're very conscious of the fact that, that they might, you know, don't look good or smell good, that kind of thing. So they they, they resist it. But, you know, I managed to persuade them, just come, you know, don't worry about it. I, I, I'll you and it. But that's the whole, as I said, it's not something which I'm terribly proud of in mm-hmm. my own country. Mm. My my friend is a 
comment. It's like he says in Singapore, we use our jobs to prove ourselves to society. The higher you go, the more OT you do, the more productivity you achieve, you know, the better, the better it is. So there's no need for work-life balance. <laughs> That's very sad. I don't want to live that life. <laughs> yeah, but Lee Kuan Yew will be proud of you, you see. Um, okay, so another question. Would the proliferation of Singaporeans in traditionally lower-end work, uh, even if we increase the esteem of said work, create an increased cost of living? Buses in Australia cost $8 per trip. Yeah, I, I, you, you know, this is also this whole notion about if your weight, if your, your, your fees or your prices you pay are lower, it means better. But you've got to understand that somebody behind that counter mm. or that wheel, you, it could be your uh, dad, it could be your brother, it could be your mother doing those, those tasks, you see. Mm -hmm. What are they worth? Right? So everybody comes in and says, no, I'm not willing to pay so expensive. Okay. Right? You pay less or everybody makes less. But if the prices are lower, then it's okay. Everybody remains happy. Mm -hmm. But if your prices go up, right? And, and your wages don't go up. That's where the problem is. Which is right, right. now. Yeah. So I know it can be hugely expensive, say, uh, uh, um, say in, in, in Monte Carlo, right? But wages there are also higher, isn't it? Right? So it's just a matter of, of that balance in there. I've known right now that, that, you know, people come express shock, you know, that things are even more expensive than in Tokyo. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yep. they are. Yeah. And yet, we have Amas, Akons cleaning your table for measly wages. And it was only of late that we put so much pressure that they start talking about progressive wage models and, 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 and so on and so forth. But for a long time, you know, and my question is that, that why do we have people actually, foreigners actually come in and access shock and they say, oh my God, how come you see this old person cleaning my and something like tottering already, you know what I mean? Then you mm -hmm. got to ask your question, say, how is it that, you know, we have come to a stage where they can't even retire, you know? And I talked to the cleaners, oh, my cleaners all in, uh, the, the cleaners in the mall, 60s, uh, in the 70s. And some of the, one of them was even 85, just Ew. cleaning the, the ass, ask him, hey, Bobian now, what to do? You see, on the ground, it's a very different story than what's painted in mainstream media. Oh, we want to increase the retirement age. But some people, they do want to work. You know, no, If not, what else would they do with their Yeah, life? they don't want to. Yeah, they collect cardboard for exercise, you know. It's not because they like, <laughs> need the like, few cents per kg. Exactly. So this is from okay. IG. Um, do you get lesser work opportunities when you work as an opposition member? Do you get ostracized uh, or discriminated? It, it depends on what era you're talking about. When I first started off, that was... Uh, a no-no and the whole society puts the, you know look, there was an era where there's no social media you just don't pick up your phone and there's people comments and then just give like the support mm -hmm. and all. It, it was just you know straight times media corp there wasn't media corp at the time channel 5 channel 8 yeah. and that was it we were at the mercy and that kind of thing and so at that time during that time it was the stigmatization that victimization that was huge mm -hmm. you know? It's not even funny at that time. Mm -hmm. But now things are a little different already. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't attach the same kind of, of uh, fear. We're still, we're still not out of the woods. But right now, job opportunities, I think there's a quite a significant shift in, in mentality and like mindset. People are quite surprised. They, oh, you can even open up a, a FA. Um, but then, as I said, maybe in this time, you know, after the advent of social media, things begin to 
open up. Not because the government has, you know, came to an epiphany. They were drag creek, kicking and screaming and still trying to fight that kind of, of openness. Um, but yeah, they've had to change. Otherwise, they would uh, face a reprobation of, of citizens. Mm. I think like one good thing about political whitewashing is also the fact that you have an entire generation growing up without knowing what <laughs> Operation Spectrum and Operation Cold Store is. Yeah. So they have no fear. As a blank they don't, slate. Yeah, they don't know what it is. They're like, huh? Why? Why? Yeah. Why are you also scared? That's, that's true. It's just you know, it cuts both ways, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think I think that's a in a way a good thing. <laughs> okay, another question. This is a little bit random, but do you think Lee Sien Yang should run for president? I would have liked to see him make a go for it because, you know, under the, the current rules, you know, qualifications are very stringent and very few people, you know, qualify. Um, I have a lot to say about the qualification process, but, you know, that's another story altogether. But I would have liked to see him run and I think he would have been eminently qualified to. Do you think he might win? <laughs> I... I Possible. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's you know, the, well, you know, nothing is, is etched in stone, but I have this funny feeling that if you run for it, you would win. I think there's a groundswell for, you know, after what happened in the last two elections, mm. right, uh, two presidential elections, um, I think there's a yearning for people who want to see some more checks and balance on the government. Okay, like going back to the restrictions for like who can apply to be a president, right, because you, it's a... You seem like you have a lot to say about it. What is yeah, the whole can of worms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to. I, I like can of worms. What What is your number one like thing that you you dislike? Like or you think is the you most know, problematic? Yeah, the, the, the whole thing is that the government will then decide who it wants and can change even your race. <laughs> yeah, mm. right. Mm. And it's it was on the NRIC. Yeah, uh, Madam Halima Jacobs. It like was our, I feel like we, as a nation, no we were unambiguous. Mm. Uh, uh, no, no, no uncertain terms. That it was Indian, and they were looking for a Malay candidate, right? And they they, they put her in, and, and you know she qualified for it, and that kind of thing. And I think that uh, just just put a lot of of people off now. Mm. And then you 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 know you continue to amend the constitution just to. This is where I have. Huge problems with. I think you know the fact that they can just change the constitution willy nilly yeah. is a is a problem. Um, okay, another question: <laughs> Should we train our opposition members and put them in ministerial roles too? Is that ever going to happen? Like kind of like think... a shadow, like you know, I'm not opposition sure can... with, with equivalent roles, although they're not in ministerial uh, roles. I I think mm. like just reading from his uh, question, he he. He's projecting into the future. Yeah. Mm. Do do ministers need training? Because a lot of them seem to have no training, and then <laughs> you know, you, put there. yeah. I, I suppose okay lah. Minister's role really is not. You, you don't need to get a soldier to be in the Ministry of Defense. Although sometimes it helps lah, mm. right? But what I'm saying is that you're here. You're managing resources. You're managing uh, um, staff. Mm. You know, you're getting the best people together and to make them work as a team. Right, that's your role, and then to be able to formulate policies, and by formulating policies, sometimes you don't work in in a little vacuum and then stop your your office at some ministry building. You need to talk to people and find out what's the wants and desires of aspirations of the people. Right, that's how a, a minister's role is, and uh, unfortunately, you, you know, you can train all you want, but you don't have that person with that X factor. And I just don't mean the smarts, you know, the book smarts, you know. 
I'm talking about the ability to be able to connect and, and inspire, motivate people, bring the best out in them so that we can inspire, you know, an entire nation to a, a, a better future. That's what minister is all about. That's what government is all about, right? Instead of just pushing paper here and, and, and you know, number, number crunching mm. and so on and so forth, right? Now, that's, that, that's the, the one aspect of it. But people forget that right now, as far-fetched as it might seem, for opposition, right now you see that, you know, few of us in here become somehow you know, minister of this and that, prime minister, deputy prime minister. Don't forget, that's how we started as a nation, right? The whole gang that Lee Kuan Yew all started, they weren't in opposition. I asked them at that time, any experience, right? It is, as a, a, a prime minister or minister of finance or minister of, of uh, home, right? You know, it's that kind of thing that we tend to forget, you know, that, that. And, and, and this reluctance to, to then get opposition in, you know, in greater numbers and hopefully in time to come with, with uh, um, you know, to take over as government is this whole fear that I say is society, you know, we just fear of not being or not willing to take risks on the political front. Mm. translates also into problems on our economic, on our financial front, on, on our social front as well. And that's where I think, you know, going forward, it's going to be uh, problematic for us. Okay, uh, another question. What is your prediction for the next general election? Because you very narrowly almost got it, mm. almost. And then um, also in the East Coast GRC, like it was also a very mm. narrow win. Yeah. And then now there's no Heng Sui Kiet there with his East Coast <laughs> plan. How do you, what do you, what, what, what's your predictions for the next general elections? You know, it's things like that that have to take into account what your opponent does on the other side, isn't it? When they begin to redraw boundaries, sometimes they're head mm-hmm. scratches and everything. Right. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. I contested Bukit Batok as a single seat. Who knows whether that's going to be redrawn and back into a GRC. And I say back into a GRC because previously Bukit Batok was a single seat. Mm. Then the SDP came very close, yeah. very close. I think it was, you know, upwards of 47, Dr. 48%. Tam- Tambia also was yes, like about 47, yes. mm. yeah. was it? Mm. Yeah. So the, about 30 years ago, we, we got very close. And then we drew it into a GRC. You recently moved offices, right, to be closer to the. West. We're looking for uh, um, an office space right now. Okay. We haven't right, found right. one yet, but you know, we just want to get closer to the west, so it will mm. be more on the ground, closer mm. to the ground. So you'll be contesting in the same area, regardless of GRCs or yes, SMCs. Yes, okay, yes. got it. And Sembawang, right? I noticed a lot of Sembawang presence. <laughs> you don't have to answer. We're, we're trying to, trying to, to right, you know, right, right. be a little bit more adventurous. Now. Okay. Okay. Right. Another question was. Uh, what's your take on Pritam Singh's uh, recent advocacy for English tests in Singapore citizenship or PR applications? Hmm. Well, I, yeah, I think the lingua franca, you know, uh, um, it's got to be where, like they say, the working language, and that's something that we all can begin to to relate to. And then we've got also got to be sensitive to our ethnic groups. You know, and then I've heard some horror stories whereby employees right now will say, oh, okay, um, we need Mandarin speakers only, you know, so if you can't, please don't apply. And then they'll say that that job doesn't even require somebody to speak during that kind of thing. So it's something that we have to be very sensitive to as well, you know, and just not only think of 
and in that sense, I don't know. I'm ambivalent in terms of whether we should have a test where people need to pass. Mm. You know, um, I think a lot of times you ask me right now, I can converse in in Mandarin with you know within politics or with my customers or in my staff and that kind of thing. That's not an issue. But if you ask me to read. You should see my 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 Chinese when I was <laughs> so maybe know, like more like an oral no no, no pulse one in my uh, Chinese grades that kind of thing but you know in terms of just being able to communicate mm. you know Liao Tian is out you know constantly that's okay so mm. more maybe more like an oral exam I think as long as we like can that? communicate now I think we can communicate mm. you know, um, I think that that's hugely important too mm. not wanting to downplay the fact that but then tests well. You, you, I think a lot of, of thought must still go into that and more nuanced, I suppose, research. Mm. Okay. I guess like a follow-up question that I have to that question is that, um, you know, our population demographics, right, between the races have, have largely been very, very stable, even as the birth rate of Chinese people and Indian people are decreasing, right? Mm. And then, but we, we are still pretty much like 70-something percent of the population. And I think, you know, you can probably make guesses at who we are allowing to become our new citizens or whatever, right? Like, do you think that that Open is... secret now, isn't it? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. We might not talk, supposed to talk about it. But anyways, um, do you think that it's it's viable to, to keep population levels the same, even as there are variabilities within, you know, our, our population? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, uh, you're talking about... Um, if we have another population, uh, we have population growth paper that we actually put on. Uh, we, we talked about some of these issues that uh, you, you talked about. And the one thing that um, we've been uh, emphasizing on is that you've got to look again at the root causes of why certain ethnic groups are producing or reproducing less than others. And so what's, what's behind the whole idea? And then be able to encourage it, but at the same time, not do so much social engineering. The point of view, you, you will have adverse consequences, unintended consequences that, that you know, um, that again, things that you've never contemplated that would happen come about. Don't meddle with, with um, social issues with people's lives too much and play God in that sense. I remember um, that's how I really got my start into politics where this whole idea of um, graduate mother, graduate mother's yeah. scheme uh, that was horrendous where they basically said that you know women uh, who were intelligent and by intelligent they, they, they meant you know university degrees you can have more than two children you encourage them more than two children mm. but if not then you better you know it sounds so terrifying when you say it in 2023 it sounds so <laughs> totalitarian <laughs> dystopian so you know and, and it's just the kind of of uh, um, social engineering, as I said, you know, you play God. It's just, just I just found it very repugnant, and uh, I hope we do less of that. At the same time, it's not. I don't again say that we should be laissez-faire all the way and not, mm-hmm. you know, get people to uh, move in a certain direction. And sure, that has to be the the way as we evolve as human beings, isn't it? But just be very careful in terms of how we ask people to live their lives. What is happiness? And what makes them tick? what makes them, what they aspire to. All these things, we've got to be a little bit more nuanced and more sensitive. Actually, it seems that uh, a pattern among, amongst, um, you know, you, you to, today is that I notice you've always 
you're always trying to direct people back to the fundamentals of like, who they are as, as people, who they are as citizens, what do they find value in in their lives? It's a, these are very like cutting, close to the heart questions, but they're not easy to come to an answer to at, at, at any means. Hence the importance of us, you know, um, debating and finding out at right level where we need to then behave as a society, but at the same time have enough in freedoms for us to thrive as individuals too. Right. You know, I'm not, not saying that that's an easy topic and, you know, there's one easy answer for everything, but it necessitates us coming together and really being able to talk about how different we are at the same time, having these common aspirations that if we don't work together as a group, as a society, everything falls apart. Mm -hmm. So it's that, that that fine balance in there, which I believe, honestly, you, you know, okay, now it'll swing from this pendulum swings, right? We'll go mm -hmm. from one end to another, but we're human beings, right? You know, all of us are different. All of us at the same time are the same. And we need to find that, that common uh, ground where all of us, majority of us can agree on and mm -hmm. come together and to work for, for uh, the future. No? So, mm. as I said, these are things that we need to, to more space mm. to have discussions and debates on. Definitely. Mm. Another mm. question. Hypothetically, if you become PM tomorrow, would you, broadly speaking, increase the size of the government? For example, more tax, more policies, or reduce the size of the government? This is <laughs> one good question. Why do we have mayors? Yeah. You know, what do they do? What do they do? And and, and I, I hear uh, that mm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they pay about sixty thousand dollars a month. A lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah, not including the MP allowance. So you add everything up. Comes uh, do they get bonuses? Don't know. I I think the variable bonus or something, performance bonus they might get. But this is what I'm saying. You see, you know, you you've got, and I'm talking about the at the ministry, the stereo level now. You all these things are created for, for what? You know, and, and I say, I, you know, if I wanted to do something, I'll scrutinize and say, look, how much is costing our taxpayers? Man, that's got to be, you know, and I can tell you, you have this money slushing around. Sure, you find, just just very, uh, um, digress, very quick point. There was this bus stop that I had down below my place. Mm -hmm. It was perfectly serviceable, right? And, uh, you know, the, those seats were just slanted once that you can, you face that oncoming traffic so you right. see the bus right? right and the whole thing was just look there were no defective you know defects in there so there was you post a security a safety problem but they just dug the whole thing up excavators everything came in and then they replaced it with an uh, and in the meantime built a temporary mm -hmm. bus stop mm -hmm. right beside it mm -hmm. and then you know built a new one up and then the new one all the seats right now instead of it being started was just not straight <laughs> I'm saying yeah. money too much, you know what I mean? And this is where I'm saying, you, you know, we're talking about excess in government, right, right. you know, and, and I think these are things that we've got to look into. And if, you know, in, uh, um, in parliament right now, I'd be getting the government to account for this, all this spending, and then not mm. forgetting, you remember that rubbish center that oh, they right. built oh, that yes. Asian yeah. civilization. 400k or something? Yeah. Uh, 100k? Close to, uh, close to one, one, one million. Okay, sorry. I'm very bad with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so these are things that we really need to, to uh, talk about we're talking about access in government. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think the other um, very terrible thing about the financial system is also the fact that they are allocated budgets every year and before the financial year ends they have to kind of spend use all it, of it. Use it Otherwise, it. they get a reduced budget next year, right? right? Yeah. And then I, I hear from my friends, right? 
that sometimes because of that, then they find like really random shit to do. Like for example, you know, tear up an entire driveway yeah. and repave it. Yeah, and I remember I think- when we ran a town council before, at the end of the, I don't know, of the year or something, the, the ministries would be sending you stacks and stacks of posters, you know, and it says, why? Mm. You know, put up, but you can only put up so many before you plaster up the whole town and, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just, what do you do? Paper, you know, and you're not talking, you're talking about good quality, glossy art paper, and then it stacks of it and then throw away. Wow. Oh my God, those are the best, though. Yeah, I, those I, are the best, man. I love those because <laughs> I use them, I, I fold them into like little boxes and I, I used to feed the neighborhood cats mm-hmm. and then because it's so thick and glossy right, right, right the right. juices don't overflow correct, correct. <laughs> anyways actually one of the funniest things that because uh, I used to I used to join a, a PA right so I did like design work for them when I was younger mm-hmm. as well and even from a very young age I was I mean I was joining it because I was in uh, some sports activity so when I when I helped them design their, their calendars and stuff right and my question to all the seniors or the staff working PAs like why would I want a MP's face on my fridge the whole year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's a crying shame because I think at the same time when you juxtapose it with how difficult Singaporeans are finding it to make ends meet. Yeah. yeah. To make that all-elusive dollar. It really is a struggle right now. And then here you are just, you know, willy-nilly signing a check yeah. and buy this, buy that. Man. Yeah. Okay, uh, a personal question from Natalie, our awesome moderator. On mothers and questions about who we are, here's a question on a different note for Dr. Chi. Do you speak Peranakan Malay and do you speak it to your kids? Does your family speak any dialects at home? Hi, Natalie. Yeah, great question. You know, in, in growing up, you know, my mother, you know, all champo champo. You know what I mean? Lao Teng and then, you know, you know, all the different, especially food as well. It takes shio and, and, you know, all the um, babi ponte and that kind of thing. Oh. So... Oh my god! Uh, uh, so, but you know how it is, and I, I, I just I find it sad also that the Peranakan culture is slowly, as with every other ethnic group, so that was what makes Singapore really tick, right? Your 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 chicken rice from uh, Hainanese chicken rice la, Then you got your Hokkien mm. mee Then you got your 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 uh, wonton mee, Cantonese that kind of that that came to us, you know, as diverse culture and everything, and then they make us. Speak Mandarin campaign, mm-hmm. and then our, our our names all had to be be what was it Han Yu Pinyin? Pinyin, yeah. So that was just this conformity for its own sake, and I just felt that it was so unnecessary. I mean, instead of celebrating our diverse culture, and then not only you know you, you go on enjoy your nasi padang and the favorites of of your lontong la, mm-hmm. la, and then your your, your Indian papadong mm-hmm. la, and that that kind of thing. It was this this very vibrant kind of uh, mm-hmm. Sadly, I don't know. I, it all boils down again into how we, we value society. But to answer Natalie's question, you know, um, again, it's very hard like, with um, the kids. Very difficult. We communicate and in, in speak English at home every now and then, you know. As they were growing up now, they always be going with their man, Sia, and all the, the different expressions that, that come out. But as I said, you know, have your ability to speak well that's and not to speak well but be able to communicate on like two different things huh? but be mm. able to communicate effectively with one another i think that's um the most important thing i think we're gonna Shall wrap we it up do soon. our hypothetical now yes. oh, just more questions, to, more okay, questions. the next question are you gonna be a full-time mp 
in if you win in the next general election right. because right. right now you've got two businesses and then like the last general election you were saying that you were going to be a full-time MP. unequivocally yes uh, this oh, is one okay. thing i'll tell you because you just there's no way if you don't if you cannot afford to become a full-time mp then don't run you know because i can tell you the amount of work that goes into it mm-hmm. you just cannot do it part-time and then and then you're paid an allowance okay mind you it's not a salary allowance i think it's tax-free um, oh, allowance is up to about sixteen k a month. Have you heard? You can pay an allowance of sixteen thousand dollars a month, uh, and then doing a part time job. I, I I don't know. It's it's and then you know you, you talk about some conflict of interest uh, issues of interests here and there. So I I, I think yes uh, uh, to answer the question very you know straightforwardly yes. I'll, what's gonna I'll do what's gonna happen to orange and teal? I think you know you just gonna put a uh, um, set of persons uh, my wife is mm, going to be mm. able to run it i don't see it as a problem awesome okay the last question before the magical <laughs> moment <laughs> um you recently joined tiktok right oh and gosh. are you going to start doing the dances i mean oh, personally no, because no. i'm an old person and i'm very judgmental <laughs> i would say please don't, don't. <laughs> but it seems to get a lot of traction from the younger generation mm. because all our ministers and you know mps are doing it yeah, so what's your what's your social media strategy now? I mean, okay, it's <laughs> one of those things which damn you do and damn if you don't, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Right? And you cannot, I, I don't know, you know, I've been, you know, procrastinating and putting off for a long time. Everybody says, hey, you've got to get on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I say, but, you know, TikTok, and then there's things I can get on to, yes and no, but you need to get on to it anyway just to engage with the younger generation. So I did a video mm. about 40 seconds or something mm. oh no no too long it's mm. got to be mm. 10 seconds max 20 yeah. and it's like wait wait you know I, how, how do yeah. you boil everything down and, and, and you know hi guys bye yeah. attention spans and are I, so short now man. and nobody wants to see me gyrate on, on uh, TikTok I so, mean maybe once but uh, not all the time <laughs> even then I think they were so so cringy that I think yeah but uh, at the same time I realized that, that that's another medium which you need to, to mm. reach out to people and I, th- mm. I, I understand that increasingly um, TikTok now takes people get information from in there as well so whatever and, and, and that we can medium that we can use to reach out to people will do that now my point is that okay that, that's the time and place for everything right you, you need to have fun you just want to sometimes let our head down and just look at nonsense like, and just just fun things that make us laugh and it's, it's okay it's good mm. in that sense mm. um, but at the same time there's also a place where we just a little bit more of a serious discussion and certain things so I'm, I'll, I'll try to keep a balance at the same time i promise i try to make it as unboring as, as possible so, so get on it right now okay mm. i've got some <laughs> things going on I, I right actually, i just started i just had three posts in there and i don't have tiktok on my phone because <laughs> yeah, i'm neither old neither do i here Maybe, maybe in the future, or maybe you have already done so, there, there will be a younger volunteer from the SDP yeah. who is savvy about such things and, and yeah. he or she, they know yeah, what. Man. Yeah, I think we should actually look to the, the younger people. I do. For, I, I, yeah, we, we mm, have mm. a good, good uh, group of people that are just advising me. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I think we can move on to the magical moment. Dr. Shi, Dan Wong, been, like, please hit us. fantastic trooper, right, to yes, answer the question of all questions of all our audiences. And you know all their burning questions and you've been sitting through this. Thank you so much. But now, unfortunately, you must go through the final test. <laughs> oh, no. Our Long Kang tradition. <laughs> oh, no. 
yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So previously, when when uh, when you came here, right, mm-hmm. it was a test of um, it was a silly hypothetical, yes, but uh, under underlying it was a, a test of guile, a, t- a test of social agility, <laughs> if you may. <laughs> EQ. EQ. Yeah. Political correctness. Yes. Okay. So All this right. time is a different test, right? Okay. So I want you guys to imagine, right, that you guys are um, running. Running for MPs, right? You have your your. It's two zero two five, and it, the elections are taking place. You have not slept for three three nights, mm. right? Because uh, you you are they are counting the votes, and the yeah. people have voted, and uh, you are sitting in your office late at night. Okay, you're alone, right? And a word is coming in. Okay, the the initial counts have have taken place, and uh, it's likely that you will win. Okay, suddenly your computer screen flickers. Right, and then the lights start flickering, right? <laughs> and you, and Are we in Malaysia now? <laughs> you, feel, you feel your hair, the hair on your skin rise. And before you, right, like five to six cloak figures just appear. Mm. And then they start floating. <laughs> and then they, 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 they unveil their hoods. And who, are, who, who else do you see? But like the the new 4G leadership or 5G leadership, sorry, of our country. Oh my god, we got, are gonna get taken down, dude. <laughs> you have got you have got like uh, uh Lawrence Wong, you have got like Ong Ye Kung, you have got you know all, 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 all <laughs> our ministers. And then when they take off their hoods, right, you see that they are they are wearing like um they are wearing beautiful dresses and they have wands <laughs> about them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not making this up, sir. Okay, before we jump into this, right, uh, okay. Doctor Chi, can I ask you if you know what a magical girl is? Oh no! Oh no! Oh, a, a magical, magical girl. girl. Okay, no worries. Let me quickly um okay. for the purpose of, of this hypothetical. Oh, let me just basically Sailor Moon. Basically so if you are Moon. familiar with Sailor Moon, right? Uh-huh. These are, are are young ladies, right? Uh-huh. Who upon going through a magical transformation, they they wear these dresses and they uh-huh. have these wands, uh-huh. right? To to fight um otherworldly supernatural horrors from right. other dimensions, right. right? So like this. So imagine. So I actually drew a picture of Chan Chun Singh. Right in in uh, magical. So imagine he looks like this. He's before you right now in his pink flutter <laughs> flutter sleeve dress. He's got a beautiful wand and a magical animal companion. Uh. Okay, and they're all looking at you seriously, seriously, right? And then they are like, you know, uh, Doctor Chi, we don't really like you, but it looks like you're going to, or you know, Miss Angie, we don't really like you, but it looks like you're going to get into into Parliament. Can't and the that. secret. <laughs> The secret behind Parliament, the reason why we are paid so high salaries, right, mm. is that we're actually all magical girls. Mm. And um, other than our jobs in Parliament, other than uh, our, our jobs outside, we're actually fighting otherworldly horrors on a daily, you know, weekly basis mm. in, in our magical girl uniforms. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and if you want to be part of this club, if yeah. you want to come onto like the CEC, the CEC of the PAP. <laughs> <laughs> you have to accept the wand, and by the way, a wand magically appears on your desk before you. Right. And 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 join us in our fight mm. you know, against the nightmarish horrors from another dimension that threatens Singapore. And go about doing your your parliamentary duties, your your duties elsewhere and everywhere. Mm. Okay. So mm. okay, before we we as you are processing, so I can mm. see you are processing. <laughs> I want you to understand, like, if you take this seriously, right? Yeah. You are going to have to be a in danger of your life. Okay. B, still have to go about your everyday business. You, you still have to write notes and spar with Shan Wugam in, 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 in Parliament, by the way. <laughs> then you have to uh, go about your, your, your business, you know, orange and teal and all that. And you still have to be a father. And you have to do all these things, right? Th- then you, you get to take part in the leadership of this country. Mm. Okay. So my hypothetical to all of you, 
is that will you take up this job and yes or no and why? What kind of horrors are we talking about here? Oh, the dangerous stuff, like the dangerous anime stuff, you know? Do we, wait, 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 are we fighting in short skirts? Of course! That's the only way you can get your magical powers, NG. I, I thought you knew that. Yeah, your transformation, your transformation will happen, right? Uh, in like 15 seconds and the enemy will Correct. all pause while you're transforming. Correct. As is tradition, sir. Yeah. If you are not familiar. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, <laughs> so you have to join join the PAP to yes. get into their CEC. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, Pritam Singh is there also. You can yeah, be, yeah. yeah the as opposition long as is there too. As long yeah. as you're in the parliament. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Pritam Singh rocks, rocks like a beautiful flutter sleeve halter neck dress. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's just a way of thinking. Angie, you please take the first shot. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, if, if Lawrence Wong can wear a dress and kill some horrors and, and not die, right? It shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> right? I feel like, confidence I yes. in yourself. <laughs> okay. Dude, but you must do everything else. I beat else, you right? in a knife fight. No. Oh, like, oh, oh. As his tradition here. Yeah. As his tradition here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not worried. I think I will say yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, why? Oh, yeah, why? Go ahead with your why. Yeah, why? why? Other than the fact that you can defeat Lawrence Wong in a knife fight. Then I get into parliament. Nah. <laughs> right? Okay. And then, and then you why. can do stuff. Okay. Okay. Or maybe I'll just take a photo of them. Right, or in all their magical. No, you you can't tell anybody. You can't tell your your. You can't tell me. You can't tell your kids. Mm-hmm. It has to be totally secret. And you find out, right, that all those disgraced PAP and W, uh, PMPs, right, who who are extramarital affairs, were actually engineered because they couldn't keep up with their magical girl duties. They <laughs> failed in their duties, and <laughs> so they were ousted. They were ousted. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I think I'll find a way to leak, like oh, leak the photos. National security, you know. You like that for the lols? <laughs> Can you imagine like everybody looking at them in their magical girl uniform? That'd be great. Okay, okay. So yeah. just a troll, uh. Maybe. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go next. Uh, my answer is unequivocally, uh, unequivocally no, because um I feel like there'll be too much responsibility, and uh, I'm quite a lazy person, and I'm also a I'm also a lover, not a fighter, <laughs> and mm. and I already have so much to do. And I already have to spar with Shambhugam in Parliament. I don't think I have the time to fight stuff at night. You know, I need my sleep. Wait, wait, but you said that you have to take this job. Otherwise, you cannot get into Parliament, right? Yeah. Then how do you spar in, with Shambhugam in Parliament if you don't... Oh, am I, am I, I'm, in any case, I will give it up entirely. I'm sorry. I don't, so I don't have the will to carry through with my <laughs> political appointment. Well, no, it's too much. I guess the job is more than what I bargained for. Okay. Yeah, so it's no for sure. Jerry? Also, I'm too fat to look cute in a dress anymore. It's okay. Uh, now we have body positivity movements. No, it's I, okay. I, I have my own standards to keep up to. All right. Jerry? <laughs> uh, I will do it just to see all the MPs in their magical girl uniforms, man. Then after that, I'll feel spectacularly and they'll just, you know, <laughs> engineer <laughs> some <laughs> extra affair. affair. <laughs> yeah, to kick me out. Yeah. So I'll just do it for the, you know, for my own sake. Or for the not experience. for the nation. La. Yeah, not for it. <laughs> Dr. Chi. <laughs> <laughs> So you have enough time to think, sir. <laughs> Notwithstanding the fact that I look ridiculously hideous in that outfit, you know, I suppose, because if you did mention about um, having to fight off forces that uh, threaten, threaten our, country. our yes. country, I suppose on that score alone, uh, it'd be you know unpatriotic if we didn't take up the task line. As I said, unpatriotic uh, have to, you know, against this this whole part about the, the, the appearance you know okay if you if that's what it takes to fend off these 
forces then and so be it. Do you think you enjoy it? Like <laughs> enjoy wearing the short skirts and stuff? Oh I, I suppose not, you, you know, uh, um, not to. There was this this incident last time we did had, had this uh, um, in, in the US. Mm. We had this thing where we were just entertaining some of our, our, our guests and it's dinner and that kind of thing. And they made us parade, uh, come out in a beauty contest, but all guys <laughs> were wearing, you know, <laughs> wearing dresses. So we were all trying to do that. And so had a bit of um, experience in that, that regard. Like, but nothing is this frilly in the, uh, um, outfit with one. And, and, uh, so, and it's, would, you have a, would you have a phrase that you say as you transform like, into a magical girl? Like, for the nation! <laughs> oh my god, that's what something that you think of in a t- on TikTok, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my next post. Oh my god! Please please wear the costume too. That would be amazing. Okay, so la- ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first on Lokang Kitties. Dr. Chi will... Wear a short yeah, skirt. And, and become a Maho Shoujo girl to yeah. defend our nation, okay? And that's... that's that's already what sets him apart from other MPs because I don't know whether they'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Knowing our t- TikTok users, they'll be probably taking my photo and just superimposing it on some. Oh my god, that would be amazing. All, the, nightmares all the stitches and stuff that will come out of it, it will be yeah. amazing. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Chi, for entertaining our nonsense mm-hmm. and coming down into the Hong Kong for this discussion. I think, you know, um, it's always such an honor for you to come here and, mm. and you know, entertain us. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um. Do you want to uh, pump a uh, pimp? Plug, your, plug, 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 plug. Yeah. Let's not plug, use pimp. Plug. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to plug your channels or like where people can find you and stuff like that? Uh, uh right now I'm on Facebook and, and Instagram. Uh, and and just got on to TikTok. I think about a week ago. So, you know, it's it's, it's a good place. I think you know, unlike previously when we had very limited channels of reaching out to folks and as i said you know there'll be a mixture of more light-hearted stuff with more serious issues that i really need to discuss with uh, my fellow citizens so you know if you've got the inclination and time for it to please drop by and sign up they can also like sometimes see you at orange tea and stuff yes as well, uh, right? you, you know uh, from time to time i'll just post events you know even on mother's day and and simple things like i'm Again, very new thing. We just managed to get our public and um, license, entertainment license, mm. for the, so nice. we can have live entertainment. Mm. So my, we're just gonna do a bit of a sing along at, at, at Orange and Teal, and then we're just thinking of starting on Mother's Day, and then different events as well. As I said, light-hearted moments uh, um, together, more serious ones. Mm. So can you quickly let our audiences know uh, where Orange, uh, the two outlets, can be found at? Yeah, one, one is at Rochester Mall. That's uh, near Buena Vista. It's a little harder to find the. Don't go to Star Vista, okay? Come go come across the road. It's more obscure in a sense, hidden mm. by thick foliage, and mm. trees and things like that. But it's on the second floor. But it's a nice place we just created. This place I've got this nice Yeah, it's very nice area. and spacious. Yeah, and seating area, coffee table, and that kind greenery. of thing. Hope people will just come in. There's books over there. Just come by. You can just read. It's okay. That, that's come down. And then the other one, okay, the more in the hustle and bustle of places in, in mm. Marina Square. It's towards the, the Millennial Walk side, Ritz mm. Carlton End. Yeah, so come down and as I said, you know, I just want to make this alternative kind of a business model work. So 
need all the support I can get. Mm, mm. Awesome. Thank mm. you so much, Dr. Chi. Um, we'll post all the links to mm -hmm. your social media and stuff uh, in the description box below. Um, so that's the end of this episode. Thank you so much. Um, oh, anyways, <laughs> like follow us on social media, like Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Discord. Discord. Discord is out of control. Message us, message yeah. us for Discord link. Yeah, okay, message right. us on Instagram or Facebook <laughs> that, for Discord. That's the end of the episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.